<laughs> I can hear it. Yeah. We bought some security lights for the front of the house. There's this spot that yes. the previous owner in the corner of, I don't know if you remember, but it's like the, it's the closest wall to the street. It's just a bare wall of the garage. But on either side up there, sure. she had motion lights. And I guess, you know, from age, they just stopped working properly to where they were just on all the time. Well, then we we had an issue with our porch light, but I didn't want to replace the whole light. And I tried to figure out what it was, and I tracked it down to this. Have you heard of these things? It's it's called a, a dawn to dusk sensor. Yeah, I love the dawn to dusk sensor. I yeah. use that outside. Absolutely yeah. the best. Best investment I had no I ever idea made. they existed like, oh, as man. a separate I must device. Have, yeah, I didn't know. So... I didn't know what it was called. I remember calling my dad and being like, I want something that like knows when it's sunset and knows when it's the blah, blah, blah. He's like, yeah, you want like a photo solenoid thing? And I was like, what? Oh, I guess that's the real thing. Uh, So I bought an attachment that I could then put the bulb in. And then I don't remember why. um, Oh, it was because uh, in the fixture we had outside our apartment, uh, we, we have like a townhouse set up and the fixture that the building had put onto the outside wall um, the light bulb would stick way up out the top of the thing because it was, you know, the the socket, then this extra photo sensitive oh, right thing, right. and then the bulb. And I had an LED or a uh, not an LED, but a uh, uh, fluorescent, a compact fluorescent bulb right. in there. So it's sticking way out the top, and I was like, oh, there's got to be a better way. So I found a dawn to dusk light bulb itself, and I was like, it oh, has this it is in there, cool. right? Yeah. And it was great. It was a very expensive light bulb, but I was like, it's it's LED. It's going to last forever. <laughs> right. um, and it did until they painted the building, replaced all of our uh, uh, fixtures, and they, they took, took my fucking one. light bulb. Ugh. And I, so <laughs> then I was like, whatever, uh, the, the, um, the power is for that. It, it's weird. I have the light switch, but I'm pretty sure the power is paid for by the building. Um, on that, or well, I wasn't sure. And really I didn't care because I was like, well, the whole reason I got that thing is because I didn't want to have to turn on and off my porch light when I wanted the light on. I always want the light on at night because it's at the top right. of the stairs that goes down to the garage. It's really nice. Lights up the, the thing, uh, blah, blah, blah. So I just was like, fuck it. Uh, a, they replaced the, the fixture with the light switch on because they didn't come into my apartment to turn the light switch off. So, uh, whatever they, that was worth it to them. And, uh, and then, uh, I was just like, oh, I'm just going to leave the light on a couple weeks after that. This is like a week before our son was born. Our manager comes over and like Susie and her have it out about the fucking light. She's like, it's on all day. And I'm like, who cares? It's daylight. Who is this bothering? And, uh, it, I, I told Susie cause I was already mad about, it. I, I, I like, yeah, I just didn't want to talk to the landlord about it. Not even the landlord, the manager. And uh, so I could tell Susie was just like, who the fuck is this bothering? Like, essentially, you know what I mean? Like, what is the problem? And so they were like, well, so what? You want us to pay for your light bulb? And Susie was like, yeah, kind of. Like, that would be nice because you took my husband put a light bulb in there that was photosensitive and you guys fucking took it. Um, Anyway, they did not replace the bulb. But since I did have that extra bit attachment, this new fixture, it 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 uh, is inverted so it hangs down and it's more of like a like a cowling type of a like a think of a a bell shaped glass uh yeah. 
uh, thing. And so it even if it hangs down a little bit past the bottom, it's fine. And the bulb that's in it is really nice anyway. So now I've got that. And uh, then what I do at the holidays is I take the photosensitive attachment and I add the other attachment where you can plug a two prong plug into the uh, Tim Taylor over here (laughs) and put a light bulb in it. So I've got photosensitive thing plugged into a a dual uh, two prong plug port plus light bulb and then the light bulb. So it's hanging way down right now. But we have our pumpkins, (laughs) our light up pumpkins attached to this. So now my light up pumpkins and then I replaced the fancy bulb that they had in there, like the Edison style bulb that they had right. put into the fixture with a, a like a scary like flickering type of uh light. So, yeah. Anyway, pretty cool. Yeah, our for, whole holiday yeah. thing is all set up specifically for that and <laughs> Isn't yeah. that nice though that it's all automated now, essentially? Oh, the best. Cuz you just leave oh, well, you yours wasn't manually uh Ours is hooked up to a switch, and I was like, I always right. want the light on at night, and I don't want to have to hit the switch or remember to hit it. So right, and also I can tell when Wes turns it off because I come home and it's dark and the light's not on. I'll be like, Wes, yeah. did you touch the light switch? <laughs> yeah, they don't get it. Yeah, they see the light switch uh, on, and, and that's what uh, Jack or Charlotte will do. They'll flip it off. <laughs> they know now to leave that porch light on. Yeah. Um. Um. But yes, absolutely. Dawn to dusk are the best switches, and. I only got excited because I had so much uh, history with the Dawn to Dust yeah. bulb. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm just getting into it. So, oh man, welcome! It's a it's a brave new world. This is like it was like smart bulbs before smart bulbs, like you uh-huh. know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I replaced so. I replaced the photo sen- the sensor in our porch light, and I thought, what if I just bought two um, uh, dust till dawn uh, yep. security lights. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, act just security lights to replace oh, those the ones lights that were itself. there. Oh, cool. Yeah. Our panel for our house, the team that put the the house together labeled everything in there, or the electrician. I don't know who was doing it from house to house, but there's three or so different ones labeled lights, and I don't know which is which. And it turns <laughs> out that the garage is actually one of the lights that they. I don't know how they built off of one of the light um, pathways, but they did. But I was sitting there turning one off at a time. And I was talking with Jack, and I said, don't touch the panel here, right? And I said, is that, is that little test light in the corner off? And he, and he looked around the corner, and it wasn't off, turned off three or four. Lindsay's in the house trying to make dinner, going, why are you turning off the lights? And <laughs> so I walked, I walked to the back patio door, and I, I asked her, I said, hey, were the lights going off? And she said, yeah. And then I hear this clicking, and I look mm. over, and Jack is standing up, flicking the switches, on this thing. Oh my and God. I ran over and I, and I, I kind of had that one of those reactions. Like, you know, your kid almost gets hit by a car. I said, Jack, you have no idea. You can't be touching this. And yeah. turn, turns out, man, the one switch that he had tried was the actual one that worked, man. Oh, wow. Yeah. He was my lucky Denver mint. Ah, he got me. <laughs> <laughs> this is Jimmy eat pod. Oh, that's good. Uh, I didn't know if I was going to go there with that, but I did want to say that, uh, you know, I was I was kind of fiddling around with it, and uh, and he was he was that shining light. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, when I was yeah, you know, and and at the end of the day, uh, right before it actually, I finished the job right when the sun was going down, so I got to see them in action. Took a nice picture. Sick. Was it five fifty five? No. The whole reason I brought that story up was because I had to when I was flicking through all of the the circuits, I accidentally shut off. The one to this office, and so I had oh. to get in here early. Yeah, 
and boot everything up. So was that all tonight then? That oh man, you're riding high on uh, yeah man. Oh yeah. Sitting there, I got my hand inside this the 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 cable up there. The uh, oh yeah, yeah, my power cable. Yeah, man. Oh, that's good. My Romex. It's funny. Um, speaking of uh, Tim the Toolman, uh, I think did I tell this story? We were shooting something for Pete's Dragon at a place called Margarita Mix in Hollywood, which is like a mixed uh, a sound studio uh, where they do voiceovers and and. Uh, commentary recordings and stuff. I think they were doing a Pete's Dragon commentary or something. And uh, we had just gotten these new cameras at the office and we're waiting like in the lobby area. So we're like, all right, well, let's set up the camera and look and see what this thing can do. Let's look at all the settings. So we have like the manual out and we got the thing set up on a tripod and this older dude comes up and he's like, oh, this isn't good. And uh, (laughs) we were like, why? And he was like, oh, you got a bunch of men standing around looking at this camera like they don't know what it is. And uh, I look up and it's Tim <laughs> Allen and he's razzing us for not knowing how to use the camera. <laughs> it was good. I was like, oh, my God, this is like the perfect. That sounds dude. like such a that's such a way that. Yeah. You enter a oh, room. this isn't yeah. good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, man. Anyway, uh, simpler times. Yeah, I grew up on that uh, on that. I added it man. to my Plex. Um, there are definitely like some like. Uh, uh questionable because like his politics and mine don't necessarily align but he seems to be a pretty good ally on his twitter feed uh lately uh i haven't well i say lately i looked like a month ago to see like what he had to say like about black lives matter and stuff (laughs) like that i don't know uh coming up on the election where he's uh landing but the the episodes are pretty good because he does get like egg on his face and his wife kind of comes out ahead uh like when he wants to, uh, I think in the first episode, he wants to make the dishwasher stronger <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, she does not. One of my favorite scenes of his. Yeah. When he grabs the uh, he's he's grabbing the wiring behind it and the way that he grabs it with his pliers <laughs> and he's got um, yeah, he's got his youngest son there yeah. watching him and he goes, Dad, are you OK? Yeah. And he's doing a dance. He's just doing a dance around the. <laughs> it's so good. I love that. <laughs> That's the pilot. Oh, man. There was a couple things that uh, I wanted to cover for housekeeping before we got started one is which is um there's the jimmy Eat world discord which we are on we will never leave but there's a new pizza crust posers discord that was set up by david from growing up punk which is specifically all about the way we we sort of determine it's like mall punk podcasts so uh there are looks to be eight podcasts on this discord channel uh, at the moment and for the most part like if you've got like a mall punk or pop punk podcast the idea is that you can have a channel on here to talk about your show promote your show and all that stuff so there's uh, a pretty good community on here so far you got the talking records podcast growing up punk jimmy Eat pod pop punk pizza podcast magnified pod uh and then punk rock sanity podcast and um uh, uh, you can hit us up if you want to be invited to that um but that's a new discord server um, and there's good people on there. Uh, and it's fun. Discord's a little different from like Twitter or anything like that. Cause it's kind of like, I mean, it's essentially a chat room is what it reminds me of. It reminds me of like AOL days. Yeah. Yeah. I like yeah. that aspect about it. It does get overwhelming though. Like yeah. sometimes I'll, uh, I, I really have learned to drill down and set my notification settings, <laughs> um, in there. Uh, so like pretty much if you post in the Jimmy pod channel, I'll see it. But unless you tag me in the other ones, I'm probably not going to see it. Um, I'll 
Yeah, I need to I need to consult yeah. you about turning and then that what off I'll, because the last oh my week god I have yeah. just been and, and that's what's crazy is like yeah it gets overwhelming so um so yeah I'll uh, I'll teach you just Justin and everybody else if you want to learn let me know and we can set up a <laughs> Skype call and I can <laughs> I can learn you how to um uh, manage your Discord notifications because it is a great tool uh, and it is very flexible but you kind of have to take the time to go in and modify it. Um, the next thing is I didn't even look at this, but uh, somebody had posted who posted this in the discord about uh, Jim is going to be in a short film. Um, uh, I don't know. Was that, that was in on the, the Jimmy, uh, the Jimmy world. Fan world. Club uh, this was, Oh, nerdorific Gabe in the Jimmy world general chat discord. Uh, Phoenix comes alive in teenage badass, a rock and roll comedy. And uh, if I go to this link at azcentral.com, it's a comedy about trying to be famous. And uh, apparently Jim Atkins is uh, going to be playing himself in this movie at uh, Gracie's Tax Bar. Um, and then Pat, the drummer of the main is going to be at Pat Kirsch. Um, and uh, yeah, it should be pretty cool. There's shooting stuff at Crescent Ballroom, the Van Buren, Rebel Lounge. Uh, is it like mostly set in Phoenix, this thing? Yeah. Yeah, Grant McCord recalls an early conversation. And who's uh, who's this guy? Grant it? McCord recalls an early conversation about shooting his first independent feature mm. rock and roll comedy called Teenage Badass here in Phoenix with the film's executive producer Chucky Duff. Um, but yeah, pretty cool, man. Huh. Jim's got a cameo in an upcoming independent film, um, and I'm sure he's gonna oh, kill obviously. it. Obviously. Um, and finally, this was a weird thing. So. Specifically because uh, we're getting into the song a little bit now. Lucky Denver Mint, Lucky Denver Mint was included on the Jimmy Eat World, the 1998 Jimmy Eat World EP, which we'll talk about a lot on this episode, uh, which was sort of the we don't have a release date for clarity. So let's release an EP on Fueled by Ramen and uh, and get some music out there. And maybe that will help us get a release date, which it absolutely did. And in the liner notes where there are a lot of typos, including the lyrics to this song, um, there's an email address, which was funny because it's jewpod at aol.com, which is, we're a Jimmy World podcast. So (laughs) were this released back then, we would have been like, okay, we'll be the uh, Jimmy World podcast. Oh, there's already an email taken from that. Um, But even on top of that, we were recently talking about People Mover and the uh, the two guitarists were Brandon uh, and this other guy, Nate, well, Nate Huckabone, we text a lot back and forth about um, baseball and, and things like that. Randomly, I'm telling you, yesterday at 2.50 p.m. said, my buddy got this from Jim back in the day. He hand wrote his email on it, and it's a Static Prevails like business card. It says, Jimmy Eat World, Static Prevails, the debut, the debut album coming this summer. Call us at 800 206 0084 extension 0151 and the handwritten email address is jewpod at aol.com how cool is that man (laughs) and i even responded i was like oh my god i forgot about that email address it was listed on one of their eps we were tripping about that and sure enough i start doing the yeah we were i start doing the research about this episode i was like oh my god this is the ep that had jewpod at aol.com so not yesterday when i had yet to do research was i uh hip to this email address again with a handwritten uh i'll send these over to you uh real quick but it was so serendipitous and pretty cool 
Yeah, if you if you search for that uh, email address, there is an Angel Fire listing that comes up. I can't remember if we've looked at this list before, but it looks like a bunch of old bands, and they just it's just on the left in all caps. It's got the band name, and on the right, it's got the email. I wonder what, I mean, what these is are all, the, all these. What's the Angel domains, Fire thing? Because remember Jim, Hotmail.com. Remember Jim was doing the. Um, he had like a fake booking company, and I wonder if that was the email address he was using. Uh, for that, this was angelfire.com la2 uh, forward slash la2 forward slash one, the number oh one God. i forward slash info.html. It'd be easier just to oh, search one eye jupod at aol.com. Maybe, maybe it was one eye, like, yeah. It's it's just it, there's there's too much to me for phonetically for me to to try and explain. Just let's search for jupod at aol. But there's like look at all these, uh, the chase theory, logan5107 at aol.com. Uh, what other bands? Another sevenfold. Lynchpin, emo Joe at hotmail.com. <laughs> Adam and his package is on here. <laughs> I want Boy sets fire yeah, is Adam on and his here. Package. Adam go at earthlink.net. Oh man, this is great. Yeah, these are old. These are early two thousands, man. Uh, Blink one eighty two is not on here. Is Weezer on You're, here? No, they are not. No, fallen forever and a day. That's amazing. <laughs> I love these band names. Am I on here? That'd be fucking cool. No. <laughs> Pig Destroyer is on here. It's only That's about cool. 50 bands. Pig Destroyer. Is it? I wonder if it's J.R. Hayes or if it's Pig Destroyer Jr. Poison the Well is on here. This is cool. Reggie and the Full Effect. <laughs> this is incredible. Stretch Armstrong. Tilt. And Reggie and the Full Effect. I think they opened for Weezer. In 98 or 99. Oh, wow. Maybe it was 2000. It was right around that time that I uh, I remember hearing Reggie and the Full Dude, Effect. Dude, one of my favorite music videos um, is uh, Congratulations, Smack and Katie. Have you ever seen it? It's no. What's funny is you probably have seen it and you forgot about it. And then I'll tell it to you now and maybe you'll remember it. It is a Romeo and Juliet story about a skateboarding kid who is uh, a an anthropomorphic jar of peanut butter. And he falls in love with a girl at his high school who's an anthropomorphic jar of jelly. And uh, they fall in love. And their parents, uh, who are uh, slices of bread, are trying to keep them apart. And in the end, uh, <laughs> they come together, all of them, and into a sandwich. And Reggie is dressed uh, in a, ran- a really creepy <laughs> outfit. And he takes a big bite of a, a it looks like a terrific peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Um, and the song is amazing. So uh, since we're already way off topic, we'll probably play that. Maybe I'll bring up that uh, song again later. Congratulations. Smacking Katie's a great music video. One of the best music videos I've ever seen. Um, good. So creative. what do you what do you have down as the the of the, yes. speaking of the EP? What what do you have down as the release? The EP date of that was one? Jan, uh, December 14th, 1998. Right, and then I have down this single was released on January yes. 1st of 99, and then the full album was released on February 23rd of 99, right? and right? your K-Rock recording is okay. sometime between there. We were thinking early February, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Late January, early February. Um, And then what else do I have? Oh, the Never Been Kissed soundtrack was released April 9th, 1999, and... As we said earlier, and I suppose we can do a little bit of backstory before we get into the lyrics, they had recorded the record. Static Prevails didn't do well. They didn't have a lot of support from the label. And I'll get into that. There's an interview with Tom 
where he sort of talks a little bit about that. And he talks about hoping that they do better with clarity. And they decided to Craig Aronson thought that they, in order for them to get a release date, they need to generate some buzz for the record. And so they put on a couple of the songs from the record, a couple B sides and put out an EP on fueled by ramen that EP generated airplay on K-Rock. That airplay got Drew Barrymore interested in having their song on their soundtrack. And as soon as that all happened, they got a release date <laughs> for clarity. Right. Um, and that's... And how fast yeah, that all And that's happens, sort of right? the background behind, yeah, that whole... And, and yeah, looking at the release dates, I mean, that's insane. Like, between December and April when the soundtrack came out. I mean, she must have heard the song on the radio in the first week it was on the airwaves in order for her to get that on the soundtrack, for that to go to the right. pressing plant and and be there. And I think the interview I have with Tom was when they had turned down doing a song for basketball and, and quote unquote, somebody at Capitol wants us to do something for another movie. We'll see if we want to do it. And my assumption is that that movie was never been kissed. And also... Yeah. I was thinking that that has to do with it because they theorize, oh, uh, maybe we can get a music video done for this record. Who knows if they'll give us the money for it, essentially. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it's kind of a trip um, hearing all of that. Right. And I was going to mention, so the the version that I heard, the version that was on the on the Lucky Denver Mint, that the EP, um, yeah was Chris Lord Algis, right? And that's the thing is, I and the, I wish I had asked on Discord before we started recording. I couldn't find, other than if we went and got the Never Been Kissed soundtrack, which, you know what, I guess I could try to download while we're on here. My assumption is that it, I know I've heard it. I didn't have time enough today to do the research to find for sure the Chris Lord Algae version. Um, right, but the right. version of the music video ends differently. It has an extended... Uh, uh, chorus that loops and then it does a board fade out my assumption is that's the version right and then when i when i found my k-rock uh cassette tape you and i both at the same time i think we were messaging back and forth we both listened to that clip that i had snipped out uh of this you know mid-january early february uh, playing of this that Right before they go into the opening lyrics of this time, oh, it's that's on right. Own, uh, you can hear this one. It's a one high. It's up high on the neck, but it's just like. A, yeah, I forgot about that. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm. That was the same one that was in the video. It's the uh, same sound. Uh, so I'm assuming that that's gonna be that's the the crystal. I remember. Algae, yeah, I, uh, I vaguely mix. remember us talking about. Oh, there was something different about that. Yeah, I've forgotten about that. I thought it was all about the outro. Yeah. So yeah, I guess you're right for sure. Now I am sort of interested though, and I'll do it while we're. I'm gonna see if I can tor torrent. Okay. The yeah. Go ahead and do that. And uh, and I mean legally download the soundtrack and not lo not lose me. Of course. <laughs> um, I know I downloaded the movie. Still haven't watched it. It seems like it's a hundred percent up my alley. Oh, yeah. You'd love it. Absolutely love it. Now, um, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. You know, so I, 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 I saw the title of the song, Lucky Denver Mint, before I started really doing much research on um, through genius, through song meanings. I just kind of made my own uh, assumption on what was going on. So I did a lot of looking into uh, actual 
money, oh, mints, nice. currency, because I thought that that was important in this. And then you start, I mean, I'm sure you went on to, to uh, songfacts.com yeah. and you read what Jim had actually said, said the song was yeah. about. Um, but there are a few things on Genius that I did want to dispel. Sure, yes. That yeah. are repeated. I, I, I assume I know where it is. Do you want to get to that part? From the beginning and, and work our way yeah, forward. Yeah, we can okay. get there. Sure. Because yeah, I remember yeah, reading that, that and I was we'll like, get, "Whoa, we'll I never put that together." And then there's another comment that makes way more sense, and I was like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> yeah. Right. So, do you want me to go ahead and start? Uh, yeah. Step through the lyrics here. Okay. All right. So the first line here, which I love this this line, it just comes in from that that uh, Zach playing that drum that without a telephone filter or something on it, right? Yeah. Yeah. So he, he comes in, Jim says, this time it's on my own. I feel like someone's finally got some support or they've built up their uh, uh, their mental strength to make a decision that says, I'm going to do this on my own yeah. for once. So that's how the song starts out. This time it's on my own. This time there's no safety net. Uh, it's, it's just me. It's just <laughs> me, baby, doing this. And then minutes from somewhere else. I, I grasp from that that... It's instead of saying seconds from somewhere else, it's just minutes from somewhere else. What I what I'm gathering is that they're just saying this is a reference in time to being very close, very near. We're not talking hours or days. I think minutes is on the same on the same plane as seconds where minutes from somewhere else, maybe they're just they're just moments from either something that just happened or they're making this decision and they're just going to go with mm-hmm. it. Uh, but now he's on his own, and he's and essentially we've started rolling forward. There's no going back, and um, that's where I think this is going. It's now we, we've moved into this. The song starts with a decision, a, a clear decision that somebody has made. Uh, Claire, going back to clarity, right? That they're going to hopefully better themselves. I'm assuming that's what this is, or make a change, right? And then we can go back to, or, or then we go to the the entire. Uh, the title of the song is now mentioned, which doesn't happen. It hasn't happened no. too often, right? Sometimes, sometimes you know, Jim will just completely omit the the uh, the the, t- the track in the actual lyrics. But he says, "Somewhere I made a wish with lucky Denver." Mint. And it's n- it's not a lyric mentioned that- in the chorus. Um, it's mentioned at the end of a verse, yeah. which I always kind of like when bands right. do that. Right. And this is one mention of it, right? That's that's what, probably one of the biggest takeaways from not having it in the chorus. In the chorus, there's that potential for it being repeated, you know, a couple of, at least however many times the chorus is repeated. But then let's say it's on every line, you know, they can kind of shove it down your throat. But this is it. This is this is that opening verse that's kind of setting the tone, setting the scene here. Is somewhere I made a wish with Lucky Denver Mint. So he chose a very special piece. It could literally be a coin in this, which I actually, that's what I was, but that's, that's the, the pathway that I went down, but he made a wish and a wish in my eyes is something that you make when you can't do something necessarily yourself and you need a little bit of divine intervention yeah. or assistance outside of your, your powers that, that, uh, that out yeah. of your control. Um, and then on the, on the lyric or the liner notes, everything is capitalized. So there's nothing. When I copied this from Genius, I copied it, and "Lucky Denver Mint" was uh, was a proper uh, sure. Now what's funny is I'm looking noun, at the right? EP so lyrics, Denver and Mint. everything's in lowercase. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, is that what it is? Maybe I'm. No, no, no. I, I think it's funny it that there it's, was no case that it's that it would be switched. Um, I could pull up yeah. the vinyl. I have the a scan of the of the uh, artwork. 
and I can see if maybe that is um here. Come on, load, you son of a bitch. Yeah, I thought I had I had linked to our uh, the discography uh, page that had that on there. So I don't on, have it. Up, uh, but, uh, it was the one that I think I had I'd so in shared the with album you, right? art. Yes, in the album, only the word Denver and the beginning of each sentence. It's not uh, it's not like capital Lucky, capital Denver, capital Mint. It's just the word Denver is capitalized right. on this right. EP. It's all lowercase. Doesn't matter. Yeah, and. So this was just uh, the, somebody, whoever had, had uh, typed this out, put that in there. But I still think that Lucky Denver Mint is a very important uh, piece of this. And that's that's the that's what's going to hopefully make Tots. this wish come true. Uh, and then we, we go into the we go into the chorus where it's uh, this is where I think they're really starting to hammer something home here is you're not bigger than this, not better. Why can't you learn? And they repeat that. And do you want to integrate the music video in with this? <laughs> Uh, sure, because I think that plays a lot into this. And the, the so just to kind of just briefly go over the the music video, uh, the guys come in. So it's all four members of the band, but they they attempt to play basketball and then they attempt to play ultimate frisbee. Both of which are uh, they're overtaken by either the the opposing team or or somebody that just shows up and and kind of takes over the whole yeah. thing, ruins it for them, and they just kind of get trashed. Yep. Uh, and I think that's what this chorus is saying is that you're getting beat. Stay down. Why can't you learn? You know, you're never going to be better than these people. Don't try. Give up, essentially. Uh, and I think that's why they repeat it twice is because it, this they may be hearing this in their own head. Yeah. And then we got into to verse two, which I think is I think this is a this is one of the the more pretty parts. I mean, the whole song is is beautiful, but this is one of the prettier sets of lyrics here. And you you had mentioned typos. Yeah. Now I saw this on. Both the album yes. as well as yeah the the CD, but it has hurry with yes. three R's in it, right? And it, there's there seem to be a lot of people that liked this these two lines here is hurry go on ahead, good things won't let you wait. Which I think he's telling his friends or his amigos that uh, just move go on, you know leave leave me here, I'll be fine. Uh, don't let me stop you. And the good things won't let you wait. Maybe they're potentially experiencing good things. Good things are happening sure. for them. <laughs> and not necessarily him yet. But he's saying, don't wait up on me. I'm going to download because I'm interested I'll in catch the up. punctuation here like what, like I do. Like I want to do. Right. Um, I want to look at the cu- punctuation. It's going to be easier than on Google Docs for me to open them next to each other in preview. Um, and compare them. But go ahead and read that next line. Yeah. So I'll catch up when we get home. That's 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 the the prettiest of this the, the prettiest line of this verse is I'll catch up when we get home. He's almost reassuring these people that look, I'm I'm going to be okay. We'll we'll catch up with whatever you experience and whatever happens to me when we get home. And I think home is a reference on two different levels. It's a home as like the place that we come together and be safe, and then it's also the reference of like going home to the place that we're both going to end up physically going to sure. our, somebody's house and we'll catch up when we get there. But I like that, that, that initial thought of it being just this, this, uh, this place that doesn't necessarily exist, but it it's, we create it. It's, yeah. it's our home. And then these two lines, the, the last two lines of this verse, I made sure that I checked this because I, on genius, they had this as one line at home. I'll leave a dollar underwater yes. keeps on dreaming for me. And that seemed wrong to me. And I'm glad I checked because there's yes. a line break 
on the liner notes. And there's also, I think, on the album itself, which I do have. See, I have the uh, the album and the EP both have at home I'll leave as a sentence. Right. Yeah, so it's at home I'll leave. No punctuation in between. It's just at home I'll leave. And then a dollar underwater keeps on dreaming for me. I couldn't figure out what he meant by at home I'll leave. Yeah, as its own sentence is strange to me. At home I'll leave. I, I don't know what that means. Like, are are you? Uh, d- does the does the singer does the does the narrator feel like they are a burden to their friends? Hurry, go on. Like, like this person wants their friend. Think of this: they're a small band, and uh, the bands that they look up to that they've been touring with are getting these opportunities. Or think of it this way. Jimmy World was seen as the sellout band. They're the big, they're the small band that got big and sold out to Capitol, even though they weren't selling a ton of records. So maybe this is more of a wishful thinking. I wish my friends thought of me this way as opposed to a sellout. So hurry, go on ahead. Good things won't let you wait. Good things, them getting signed to a record label. And they wished people would think this about them as opposed to that they're sellouts. I'll catch up when we get home uh, from tour. Uh, uh, go off and do your thing. We'll catch up later. At home, I'll leave. I, I guess I, I talked down myself down this rabbit hole, and it still just doesn't stand up for me because it's yeah, it's it's it would make more sense. Uh, well, I don't know. No, there would be no punctuation. I think that would make more sense because at at home, I'll leave. I I I, I was stumped. At home, with that I line. will leave. Uh, I didn't really make at home because he's almost he's he's giving them reassurance that he, we're I'll catch up when we get home. Um, and then maybe he's going to say at, at home, I'll leave. I won't be me anymore. Um, it's not going to be me who is actually physically there. I've moved on to be someone stronger, someone who has learned something. Um, and I was hoping that this last line, a dollar underwater keeps on dreaming for me would make a little bit more sense for that line. Uh, but that kind of goes back to the initial verse where he's just saying that I've made a wish to better myself or make to, to, to bring on something that, that I can't attain on my own. And this dollar, even though I haven't received it yet, I haven't received my my granted wish. It's going to keep on dreaming yeah. for me. So I'm, you know, this this wish, even though I've I, I've moved on to where I, I am and physically in life or where we are, uh, you know, talking. My my wish is still being worked on by this, you know, the fountain or the the pond or whatever whatever it is that I threw this coin into. But it didn't it didn't really make any more sense with at home I'll leave. Um. I'll leave. Yeah, I don't know, man. Do you know for for J Pod? It almost made you, more what, sense when what, I read what do it. You, at, <laughs> uh, interpret that line to me. When I read it as yeah, reading it as one line made more sense because I thought I was I, I always thought I was at home. I'll leave a yeah. dollar underwater, um, and then like a like an ellipsis keeps on dreaming. Like for almost me, like you're. This it's makes almost less like a, sense. Uh, like when you say like when people like uh, I don't know if it's like a meme or just people do it on Twitter where they link up celebrities' names like. Uh, I'm trying to think of like, no, Benifer. no, more like um, Mary Poppins Returns of the Jedi or something like, like those aren't celebrity names, but those are like movie titles, like where you're you're it's two sentences bled into one thing. So at home, I'll leave a dollar underwater, but then also is a dollar underwater keeps on. And then a dollar underwater yeah. keeps on. Um, I gotcha. Which would be tough to punctuate um, if you if that were the sentiment. But um yeah, it's interesting. I am sort of wondering, yeah. though, if the song as a whole is of them sort of coming to terms with the fact that they're a band that has 
um, maybe uh, that's maybe in over their head, specifically with the words in the chorus, is they're self-deprecating in a way. Right, right. And and this chorus now has four instances of you're not bigger than this, not better. Why can't you learn? Which I feel is really just solidifying that whole stop trying to be better. Um, you're you're never gonna you're we're never gonna, we're never gonna be bigger gonna than a band that, that should have never left Phoenix type of idea, right? And we also should make the point that both choruses are from a third person or another person telling the narrator, "You're not bigger than this, not right. better. Why can't you learn?" So when when we jump into the bridge, I feel like that is now true. It's, yeah, now the the doubt the doubt has become self doubt <laughs> or self doubt now instead of just listening to somebody barrage you with this with these this negativity now the bridge has changed perspective and it says why can't i learn why can't i love the I way learn? that harmony comes and in on the second high. again with the puncture oh man <laughs> yes so now it's yeah it's doubting himself and his abilities and i can't tell looking back at the or looking at the punctuation here um the album the liner notes are very limited like they don't repeat lines yeah right Whatever the changed word is, they include that, and that's about it. So this here, we have learn, learn, learn. Why can't I learn? Why can't I learn? Question mark on both. And then learn, 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 learn. I can't, I can't tell if he is telling himself. He is, he is trying to uh, say to himself, you've got to learn. Learn, learn, learn. Or if he's, if he's just echoing the statement hanging on from that previous line. Why can't I learn, 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 and just going yeah. mad, almost uh, frustrated with why can't, why can't I be better than this? Why am I, why am I not better, not bigger than this? And then again, again, man, it's just like they, they're barraging us with this negativity as they go to the chorus and you're not bigger than this, not better. Why can't you learn again another four times? Uh, and then just to touch on the music video again, we listen to all of this. All of the lyrics are said. And then in the music video, then it cuts to the credit. Or I'm sorry, the, the closing credits and the last and how, you know, when the closing credits show up, you've got what, maybe 15, right. 20 seconds left of any music video. And in that 15, 20 seconds, they they regain their uh, their independence from whatever is is, you know, bogging them down. They've defeated this negativity. Yeah. All of a sudden they they're wrestle. incredible wrestlers. <laughs> These, uh, yeah. And having a good time. And I wanted to know, what did you think? What did you think that Jim is is has anyone figured out what he mouths? Oh the no, video? I didn't wonder uh, or I didn't think of that. Uh, it looks kind of like uh-huh. come on, like is this before the fight? Oh, but or I was after thinking the fight, like when they win. This is immediately before the fight. This is when I'm gonna open they are it up just right about now. to run over. T- yeah, and look at it. We well, take a look. Yeah, it looks um, like come on. And I had a- yeah, come on. Yeah, it's like he says come on. And come then- on. And, uh, with the gym af- right. uh, of affection oh for sure <laughs> vocal affectation now in the genius uh what i did want to remark on was that somebody made the comment here and i if i wasn't if i wasn't into coins i wouldn't have made this i wouldn't make this uh response here you're saying you are <sighs> into coins you're a coin head yeah man <laughs> And I know that there are some people that make a stretch. Where is it? Here it is. So it's somewhere I made a wish with Lucky Denver Mint. Um, he's referring figuratively to making a wish with the coin, which is usually done by casting. Oh my god! I love the photo that made. they put. I think with everyone it too. can it's agree. It's like a woman like throwing a coin over the back of her. 
Yeah, she's got to be in, in Europe for <laughs> sure. That's some kind of uh, European fountain. Um, the Denver Mint is where a lot of money in the United States is made. Coins made in this mint are stamped with a D and are more rare than others. That was the line that got me. If you look, and I will guarantee, I will guarantee this, any one of our listeners that picks a penny up out of their wallet if they have one or looks in a change drawer or a junk drawer, I can guarantee that it has a D in the bottom right, which does mean Denver, right? So there's four different mints in the United States. There's one in Denver. There is also one in West Point, San Francisco, and Philadelphia. And so you would see the little, the little, the single letter in front or underneath that, uh, the minting date. So you would see a P, a D, an S, or a W. Every single one of these coins that I had that I just grabbed a handful <laughs> out were all Ds. I, I think that's false. I don't think that they're no, anywhere. No, Justin, you have very valuable that D, coins. <laughs> that, the D, that the Denver Mint is 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 rare i think that that's probably one of the more common minters of of well let's just say the penny maybe there is talking in in reference to other coins but still i mean if you look at coins on wikipedia they have different periods of time that they had one and my thought on what in this song what jim actually had was a 1979 demon susan b anthony dollar that's what i think this is Okay, that's what I think Jim has. It was only it was only uh, minted for three years. It wasn't very popular, and the reason why it got tossed was because people easily mistook this yeah. for a quarter. Yeah, right. So uh, that was my initial thought going into this, and then having read through what people were saying and what Jim actually was <laughs> recorded saying, it makes more sense. Um, but I still I still think that maybe he did actually play when we get into what Jim said. He did actually play with maybe a lucky Susan B. Anthony dollar that he had kept in his wallet. He should have called it Lucky Susie B. But it would make B. sense. With Lucky <laughs> Susie B. That would have been tight. <laughs> so you didn't have, you weren't into coins at all? You didn't I have did, a little, but I just, uh, you, you didn't collect By coins? the time I, we were talking about four mints, I was like, I can't. I don't know where these places are. These aren't real places to me. Um, <laughs> that's how I feel. Like, like unless I've been I, to a landmark or anything it just like doesn't even exist to me and it has no majesty to it um like when i watch uh yeah like and i'll get super stoked on places like when i watch a uh, national treasure and they're going up and down the like washington mall and they're like at all of these uh uh historic sites and monuments and things i'm like oh man that looks fucking rad but then when the movie's over i'm like ah, eh, it's not like a real place until i go Forget there i it. won't feel the majesty of it <laughs> So right. because there were four yeah. mints, I was like, I don't have time for this. I know where San Francisco is, but <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, and and I only had a small I had a small blue velvet uh, bag of coins. And I do I do recall having some like so, some nicer 1964 pennies. Why uh, were those I did have a CCCP in particular worth a lot? Mm, there were they were they I don't think there were a lot made if I, I was looking back just to see why. And the 1964 uh, D-Mint penny just seems like there were not a lot made. And there, so if you had a D-Penny now, if for it to be in mint condition, it would be worth $12. But yeah. that's mint condition. And I'm talking like people throw that term around. It has to look like mint it was condition made means today. literally from, yeah, from the mint. So condition of being like, here's your penny. So uh, if you had it in that condition, it would be worth twelve. I would, if I was to find that bag and and hand out that penny, it would probably be worth a, a penny. Yeah. I'd say that not. Nah, you know, there's too many of these that have 
you know, it's not perfect. So I had that. I had a Cold War. Um, I don't remember what denomination it was, but it was it was a a Russian or a USSR um, coin that had a hammer and sickle on it. I had a nice Mexican nice. peso. And then I had a really nice Susan B. Anthony dollar. I don't remember if it was the if it was a 1979. Remember, my mom had a lot of Susan. I mean, B. I had Anthony all that dollars. stuff in my bag. Um, I don't recall them being worth any yeah. more than normal. Remember in the early 2000s, they were like, yeah, "Oh man, dollar. we're bringing back the dollar coin." They got these gold dollar coins, <laughs> and I feel like you would go to spend yeah, them. That in the, the that was the Sacagawea. The like we're like, I, what is this? Like it's a dollar. Yeah. This isn't real. <laughs> I felt like like people were so skeptical. Like what? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah this is legal tender but they just have to it takes more yeah. time to try and explain it than it would to bring yeah. out an actual don't dollar stamps bill have like actual cash value like in theory i could go buy groceries with stamps yeah but they couldn't so a dollar you could reuse you couldn't reuse a stamp if you adhere yeah, but if to i had a book of right? stamps it's worth 50 bucks or whatever yeah i guess so i mean i've never paid with stamps i feel so, like that was always know. a rumor as a kid <laughs> that's like, a question oh, for if you're short on cash you could uh you have stamps laying around um, what else did I have? Oh, did you see this about, this is where I thought you were going to get hung up was about the dollar underwater. Uh, okay. Yeah. So I read a couple of people, I think one was on song meanings mentioned that a dollar underwater didn't necessarily mean a physical dollar, but rather you wouldn't necessarily throw high value coins into a, into a fountain. You're going to throw your pennies, maybe your nickels. If you're feeling really yeah. like it's a big wish. Um, so people were saying, making a remark about the dollar being just a collective, a sum of a bunch of right. wishes I like that, that this person has made. Like, of it. Um, yeah, that I also makes like a little that bit more. You were thinking sense. that he had a very uh, valuable uh, Susan B. Anthony dollar, <laughs> and that sort of fulfills the dollar thing. Did you see the one on Genius? Right. Oh boy, let me go back to that. Yeah, if you so have yeah, that up, go uh, ahead and read this that. This was posted annotation. by like, it was like posted by one person then annotated by somebody else but not changed the fact just changed like the wording so chad chuck charles and sark uh said refers to the album artwork for nirvana's nevermind which was the first commercially successful and probably the most iconic grunge album this is seen as the starting point for the grunge movement, a movement which Jimmy Eat World often critiques. Now, we're on episode 50. I don't remember them critiquing the grunge movement. Do you? No, um, no. But I did think it was no. interesting that <laughs> all of a sudden they're just referencing a Nirvana record for what? Yeah. <laughs> that happened to be, and, and just for two people, for uh, Chad, Chuck, Charles, and Sark separately, yeah. right? Well, it was to, like Sark cleaned up Chad Chuck Charles' thing. But yeah, yeah, I, I I'm glad that there were four people below that that said this is a yeah. stretch. I only saw one punch boy. Yeah, this marked uh, it as a stretch. And he said that he's referring to a dollar worth of coins and wishing well somewhere. Yes. Yeah. And the money is still their dream. Yeah. Thank you, punch boy. I think that that really uh, it wasn't song meetings that I had read that it was punch yeah. boy that had made that comment about it. Just a, a multitude yeah. of coins that uh, that are wishing on behalf of this yeah. narrator. So, yeah, those are the lyrics. Um, and did, was there anything else I had specifically about the lyrics before we get into? Oh, so I did find this and it's, it seems to be on somebody named McMahon has some sort of book that is not titled. But on page nine of this book, um, it specifically says Lucky Denver Mint was inspired by a night out in Las Vegas. Adkins had with a friend. 
Adkins was too young to consume alcohol and instead gambled, eventually spending all of his money. As a result, Adkins spent the remainder of the night walking around feeling lost. Which I suppose I can see, but that sounds like a story that would have come from Jim and apparently only exists in this one book that remains nameless by somebody named McMahon, which is impossible right. and to I tried search to f- because I kept coming up with Andrew McMahon. Right. So did you see the name of the book? No, though? it didn't. It, it just... the ti- oh, no, It is not actually a title of a book. It is... Um, let me see if I can find it here. I had it listed up, uh, McMahon. So it's titled... Um, go back up here. My childhood with Jim Atkins, because otherwise I don't believe it. (laughs) Uh, No, so it's uh, August August eighth of twenty fifteen by James McMahon. Rock's biggest secrets revealed. It's oh interesting, and yeah. So there's no ISBN because it's actually not a book. I tried to find it. It's actually an article online on Kerrang, and I was able to find. So I couldn't find the Kerrang. I don't think I could. Let me just check, double check down here. Kerrang. Yeah, I don't think I could find the actual Kerrang article, but. But on Song Facts, there was a little bit more okay, information. Yeah. And it says this song, yeah, this song was inspired by, by a night out in Las Vegas that Jim Atkins had with a friend, he recalled to Correct. Ah. So this is from, this is quoted from Jim now. I was too young to drink and gambled away all my money, so spent the night walking around feeling lost. To this day, I don't think that Friends knows this is about that. So what was that last, um, was it on a Patreon that we were looking at the photo on the front that had a picture yes, that was a, a Pine Wyatt CD. A ticket to Disneyland? Yeah, yeah. and was that I, in Vegas? You know when they, we were reading it, I thought it was, so but I believe it was t- in Flagstaff, which is north of, north of Phoenix, yeah. Oh, you're right, you're but right. You're yeah, right. that was on the That's Pine was, Wyatt Flagstaff. album was art, Vegas. was a photo of Jim's coffee table, which included a Disneyland yeah. ticket stub from when they came out to Capitol during the Clarity album, I believe. Or maybe during Static Prevails, but okay. yeah. So maybe this was one of the nights on the drive I out mean, there. I mean, from Phoenix or, to, or, or, to stop in Vegas from Flagstaff to L.A. seems out of the way. But when you're young, I mean, yeah, I'm hearing a baby. And the drive would be four hours. Yeah, that's that's pretty out of your way. <laughs> if you're coming, if you're coming yeah. over here. That's weird. I was hearing a baby. So, I, didn't I mean, know that, if it was that in my house definitely throws. I don't hear it now. <laughs> was it? OK, sorry. Go ahead. But that quote definitely throws a wrench in uh in all of my in all of my insight into the yeah, song. Yeah, because now it seems a little was more it uh, was I, uh, yeah surface level. But uh, I mean, yeah, it's time I'm on my own. Minutes from somewhere else. Yeah, and maybe he was at. A, could you imagine him? He's like, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go to the the ten dollar. He went through a coin own. in the Bellagio. Don't, don't worry about me. With his last like, <laughs> please coin, let me win my coin, money yeah. back. <laughs> I, but that you're not bigger than this, not better. Why can't you learn? Like I don't know. I guess like he's too young. Like I'll catch up right. when we and get that, home. At so home, the I'll leave the video time. makes me. Th- oh yeah. Go ahead. The scenes in the in the music video make me think more of what the song actually means, even though it was inspired by a trip to Vegas. I still feel like the song, the what you can get from the song is is that there's somebody that is less fortunate that is trying to find trying to find their way and and overcome whatever it is this obstacle if it's if it's literal if it's if it's uh figurative uh, but it's in front of them and i think that's what this song is is about regardless of what uh what jim went through to to think of this song it kind of stoked i think that stoked the fire but the flames are actually burning uh inspiration to me um uh, so let's see we've got uh yeah it's interesting i'm i'm gonna have to i have a feeler out to Darren Doan, who directed the video. 
and maybe he's the guest on this episode. I also have a feeler out to my friend Rick, who edited the music video, who maybe is the guest on this episode. Um, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to hear what the sort of inspiration behind the treatment for the video was. Um, and and actually, uh, we could talk a little bit more about the video. I have a bite when Jim was on the Washed Up Emo podcast. Um, uh, he uh, talks a little bit about the... Um, sorry, I'm like trying to get you the link as quickly as I can. Uh, he talks a little bit about <laughs> making the video and sort of like they didn't really know what they were doing and all that stuff. So actually, sorry, if you go to Frame.io and you go to the Lucky Denverment folder, uh, there's three clips. And the washed up emo one is the one where he talks about the uh, the video. Okay, let's see. And then all of a sudden, K-Rock added Lucky Denverment in LA. Like one of the most influential commercial alternative stations in the country. And so Capital, like, all of a sudden got a release date. <laughs> all of a sudden, like... Uh, video budget. Um, yeah, Drew Barrymore decided she wanted to put that song in a movie that she was doing to executive producing the soundtrack. Never for. been kissed. Yeah, never been kissed. And uh, I think we flew. We were like playing for nobody in Fargo, uh, and we got on a plane and flew to L.A. and cut that video with the dude with Darren Dunn, who we knew yes. did uh, uh, the promise ring, a couple of promise ring videos. Yep. Super, super awesome guy. Super funny guy. Um, and that, we just showed up and, you know, we talked to him once maybe on the phone about his concept for it. And like, uh, you know, we, we never done anything like this before. <laughs> I mean, we made, we made the, the video for Rockstar, which is, you know, a, a performance based kind of thing that like, uh, we had no idea. <laughs> so we just showed up and like, that was, that's what happened. That's so crazy. I love it. I didn't know you, I forgot you did that with Darren Doan. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's them. Uh, Talking about doing that video with Darren Doan and not really knowing like how to be in a video that's not like performance based. And my favorite parts of the video are actually the performance parts. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah. The did uh, did you ever play uh, Ultimate Frisbee? At all? No, but fuck Rick and Zach can really throw the hell of a frisbee, man. How do you throw a frisbee? Hell yeah! I don't do the I don't do so the palm up. Uh, throw man i can't do yeah, that there's there's three different ways well there's multiple ways you can do it but there's the normal throw there's the overhand then there's the flick which is what they do no which man is not i can't easy i can't toss. aim that way right you get better i mean you get better on um you have to kind of set your your leg and use that as as uh i guess support not leverage really but just kind of support so when you're leaning out to throw it it's a nice toss to get around somebody sure but let's say, you know, you've got you've got somebody and this is where the defensive aspect of of this comes in. And I, a lot of my friends are really into basketball for this reason is is because there's there's a lot of strategy in what, how you throw and how you defend. But depending on how you know what your strong arm is, if you're a righty or a lefty and what type of arm your defensive person has, that's what how you're going to toss the disc around. And I just that's a cool aspect of it. Um, so you would throw regular, which is overhand. You would flick. And then there's the third one, which is the hammer throw. And that's the one where, let's say, they're just up on you. They're just, like, up in your grill. You can't get around them. And what it is is essentially you you throw the thing vertical, and it it will lay down upside down. 
and sometimes you can time it to where once it lays down, the person catches it. Or it's almost like a, what's the best description? It's like a, a UFO that's kind of floating down where it'll just kind of teeter to the right, wow. teeter to the left, and then set itself down. Yeah, like, no, man. Yeah, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of uh, finesse and technique, man. It's a fun I like game. throwing a Frisbee, but I'm not but like looks a like discus they thrower, you know? <laughs> <laughs> right. And I'm not crazy, but it's just fun to get into. It's one of those things where when you get a bunch of people together, it's it's a fun game to play. It's hu- It was huge in college. And what, what age were oh, they yeah, when yeah, they made totally. this video, right? That was like prime, um, prime, uh, yeah, 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 ultimate age. Um, and uh, let's see. I wanted to. Um, oh, there's the two versions of the video. Um, there's the band version, and then I remember I. Again, I I did my research really last minute. Maybe you have any a recollection of this. I remember learning that the movie version existed from an interview. I feel like one of them did where they were like, "Yeah, we we uh we did the video for Lucky Danverman and they did the whole like cut of a video using the footage from the movie." And I was like, "What?" And then there is this version where it's the same video but they randomly like cut over scenes from the movie over them playing like ultimate frisbee and basketball and playing in this like garage thing and uh and wrestling at school and i'm like is the insinuation if i'm watching the video on mtv for the first time are they going to the same school that drew barrymore like doing her movie role at like what's happening here now did they keep did they overwrite everything or did they keep the portions of them? No, like everything's said, in the still there, that, but it's literally actually... like they just replaced some shots. What I should do is download them and a B them and see if they rearranged the video at all. And I wanted to ask Rick if he had anything, uh, my buddy that cut it, um, if he had anything to do with it or if the label is just like, all right, turn in your video and we'll cut over scenes from the movie so actually while we're working i'm just going to do it i'm going to download the videos and a b them and see if it's if it's literally they just plopped over some shots or if they kind of did a new cut because i watched them back to back and i couldn't tell okay well enough to say like oh for sure okay uh did you want me to go through i have down here um a mention from them on four track history i don't have four track history no do you have that Okay. Do we have a? Uh, watch I sure did not make eh. one. I'm so sorry. No, it's okay. So I've got four track I'm history. One it's right a now. very very short clip, but they take. Uh, I guess this this show will interview a band and they'll ask them about four different tracks. And this is, I believe, this is the the first or second track that they had, they mention of of these four tracks. So it's very quick, very brief, uh, but they mention uh, the story behind or some of their thoughts behind this okay this song here and let me cue this up and watch together okay and have a look i may have to jump ahead so this is hurry a go seconds. on ahead good content won't let you wait hey what's up i'm rick we're uh, from jimmy world and this is our four track history i do remember this yeah it's at like 23 seconds or something yeah yeah i love this intro this music's great okay good it is the first no one. yeah i remember i did see this Let's talk about Lucky Denver Men. Oh, wow. That was on our 1999 album. Clarity? Yeah, that's right. That's right. That right. What about the song, Rick? Can you tell us? That was... Well, I remember we were uh, we were in the garage. That, that's where we were writing at the time. Was in, uh, wasn't it over? Zach's parents? 
And Zach's parents? Yeah. We used yeah. to rehearse. We used to rehearse and work on material in, in our drummer's parents' garage or garage. And the interesting thing about that is, like, um, he has his neighbors were deaf. And for the longest time, they didn't know what the hell was going on when we practiced because they just feel like wacky vibrations going on in their house. And then, they, like, one day they saw us wheeling an amp and they said, oh, oh yeah, that's what's up. So good. The way that he pauses on on him saying his neighbors were deaf, you can tell he's told that story yeah. several times, and that probably yeah. elicits a laugh. Yeah, totally. From the people he's telling that story to, but what a what yeah, a cool right? little story. Uh, yeah, it's funny. I felt like I'd heard him tell that story before too, and I don't. It must have been on another podcast. I did do my podcast searches this week, but it didn't come up with as much as I thought it would for being such an iconic song. You know what I mean? Right. Um, I'm not going to do this in Premiere. Sorry, I'm, I, I, I have both videos downloaded, so now I'm going to sync them up and see what I get. Uh, Perfect. In the background while we're, while we're continuing. Um, yeah, so now talking about the, the three different albums, right? So the one that starts with Lucky Denverman, it's got three tracks on it. Uh, Lucky Denverman, A Sunday in Your New Aesthetic. Uh, that is the Lucky Denverment. Is that the... An, another EP, but it's like the Lucky Denver Mint EP. It looks like it was released in the UK. Uh, hold on. Tell me what it was again, because there are a couple. Yeah, there's a three-track promo cassette, um, and that has Lucky Denver Mint, Blister, and Clarity. And then there is a three-track 2002 Sweetness single. And then... Okay, because this one is 2000, and, it's, and the reason why I'm bringing it up is because this one is... It's got Lucky Denver Mint Sunday and your new aesthetic on there, but it's copywritten or copyrighted 2001 by Capitol Records. One. Where did you see that? Which is on Discogs or two where? full years. Mm, this is in our drive. Oh, interesting. I looked up Lucky Denver Mint CD, but it's just t- it's titled Lucky Denver oh, Mint yes, CD. Oh, yes, yes, yes. This is the one was... that Stephen Brand scanned in for us. And yeah, this is like a yeah, right. a um a foreign version or something. Um, okay, of, and the reason why I was I was I was just looking at underneath Lucky Denver Minute says Jimmy World, uh, Componist plus Text, which maybe that means they're the composer right. and the writers uh, yeah. and the lyricists, and but then it says an industry for outer space ASCAP. So I might, maybe that's the that's the company that brought it overseas to well that to distribute uh, this. I believe a company for space is also who's credited on the EP. And let me just double check on my uh, on my EP search here. But I'm pretty sure on the credit page, Lucky Denverman from Me the Seven, recorded by Mark Rubio, blah, 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 blah. All songs published by an industry for outer space ASCAP, radio and playback machine photos. So yeah, that was like, that was before, uh, can I get a pickle with that? And uh, what was it? Yeah. What's it go. on Rye Music? they had an industry for outer space and why would they keep changing? I guess record labels, right? Are they, they're changing their publishing company so that any, maybe any royalties they make off of capital records releases goes into a separate account or something. I really don't know how any of this yeah. works. I'm, I'm making it up 44 J pot. If you're a music lawyer and you know all this stuff, um, <laughs> but uh, interesting nonetheless. Okay. Yeah. Then that explains that. Mm hmm. I'm uh, I'm like 
Oh, I, 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 I'm trying to do it like while we're I'm going through my notes and all that stuff. Let me uh, run down the stuff that I didn't do earlier, which is uh, that Lucky Denver Mint is from Clarity. It's track two of 13 or 15 if you count the the uh, re-release remaster yeah. version or not remaster, but the re-release. Uh, Mark Trombino produced it. It was recorded at Sound City and Clear Lake Audio, released February 23rd, 99. Uh, the, Jim is singing on this song and there's a demo. Actually, let's do the demo. Uh, a little bit while uh, the demo is so like rough to listen to um is yeah the demo uh, i have an acoustic version this is is that the one that was on drive right both of which Track i think were pretty rough um, demos i think so i found this one on youtube but i think we have that so is yeah let's listen to the demo first because it is did? rough we'll we'll listen to a couple uh bars of it and you can tell me if it's i don't remember seeing that so, one in our in our drive but i know that we have yeah. we have like four different copies this one is the initial demo that sounds like it was recorded um, yeah. on like a tape, right? Yeah, it sounds like terrible. A, a cassette tape. Okay, here we go. This is the Lucky Denver Mint demo. hear that uh that that uh high strung guitar totally so i wonder if they brought that in for that first mix with chris lord algae doesn't sound like the lyrics no. have changed at all. Jim on a four track.
Yeah, I like man, that baseline. This reminds me of uh, the mobile, the sound the mobile made over my crib as a baby. <laughs> wow. That was tight. That's an interesting ending. Yeah. <laughs> well, not a lot's changed aside from the quality. It sounded a lot like even either mix. Totally. Marks or or Chris's, yeah. yeah. So I'm uh, I have a B the videos, and so far there are only two shots that got rolled for uh, whatever reason. But for the most part, it's still like basically they laid over shots from the film with, I mean they're just covering extra shots of them playing basketball or ultimate frisbee. They did cover up. Now, this is an interesting thing. One of the ultimate Frisbee players is a cameo of a person from another band. Did you see this? No, Jonah Matronga from Far, One Line Drawing, Gratitude, and New End Original is uh, one of the uh, ultimate Frisbee players. If you're looking at the one shot of them, let me go ahead and tell you which uh, what the timestamp is since I'm looking at it. Uh, go two minutes and 50 seconds into the video. There's a shot of, of the band version of the video because this shot is covered up in the movie version. Um, in the band version of the video, there is a, um, there is a shot of the other ultimate Frisbee players and it's the guy all the way screen, right? He's got like a band, a bandana, uh, not a bandana, like a sweatband over his, uh, forehead. Oh, is he like the really, uh, is, what color is it? Uh, white, white sweatband. Yeah. The, yeah. the really lanky guy. Um, so, yes. Uh, uh, let's see. Are we looking at the right person? Let's see. I'll make this full screen. Maybe. I'm trying to find a 250 or 250. At least on my timestamp anyway. Yeah. See, 250 for me is actually they're going to, uh, they're on the other side of the school going to uh, wrestle the guys. What? How am I that far off? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. The whole thing for me is three minutes and 19 oh, seconds, weird. right? Um, let me take a look here. What do I have my timeline set to? <laughs> I guess there's two guys with white headbands, so I could be. Yeah, so if you scrub all the way to the the band, uh, Jimmy World. Oh, this is, uh, it says Jimmy World Lucky Denver Mint. Like it has like the credits on the bottom of the screen. He's the one uh, uh-huh. on the side with like whatever the visual music thing uh the other logo oh okay. that guy all right is the cameo gotcha. and this was pointed out by everado chiapa uh on the jimmy world fans facebook group so uh he posted november of last year trivia name the rock star who played the role of a frisbee guy in the lucky Mint video and he has a screen grab of him circling uh his face and uh <laughs> he gives a clue his second name begins with m and then Rob Autry says, Madonna. 
<laughs> and then this guy, Mike Aguirre, oh, says, Rob. that's Jonah Montanga, or Montranga from Far, One Line Drawing, etc. And then uh, Everado gives a couple of the other bands gratitude, new and original. Um, so yeah, I thought that was kind of cool. I, I, I had always remembered hearing that there was somebody from another band uh, as a cameo, but I this was the only one where I could find it. So I was like, oh, that's got to be it, unless there's other people in the uh, video that I didn't come across when I searched it. Um, but uh, yeah, that's... Uh, I love the li- the lighting in this, the lenses they used uh, in the editing. is just... Oh, yeah. So I mean, 90s. you know, this was shot on like so a late, video, so like late a video the, camera. <laughs> this was not... Yeah. The it's the the yeah, end totally. of nineties. Um, <laughs> so yeah, what am I doing here? I'm uh, I'm uh, I'm I'm like oh, I might as well like set this video to go up on our socials um, since I matched them up. They're they're wildly different frame rates though. Uh, I think the movie version is sixteen frames per second, and the the band version is thirty <laughs> frames. But I'm not sure why it's so wildly different. Um, I'm I'm kind of jumping ahead here to like the the stuff that I found on on Reddit, but I think this makes sense right now. Is uh, Ella Bella Medella a year ago uh, posted the question favorite video, and Uelksa uh, said Lucky Denver Mint, and it's not even close. They're best by far. Uh, uh, let's see, what else do I have? I have so many uh, things about this. Um, it was instrumentally. Oh, the band had notes uh, about this. Uh, so do you remember when the band had in their archived version of their site a track by track track by track breakdown of the song? Uh, yeah. Did you happen to pull that up? Uh, oh, okay. I don't have it up. No right worries. Now, no. I'll I'll uh, I'll. Uh, that was on the archived page. That correct. We saw, right. Um, I was trying to copy it real quick, and I could if I share it with you, I can. Um, this might. I wonder if this. What's funny is I didn't read this beforehand. Um, but I have read this before, so it's possible that this is where I read the thing about where they were like, oh, we did like a version of the uh, of the video that was all clipped. So I'll read Jim's part since I just sent you the thing and you could read Zach's part because they both re- they do both do okay. these things. Lucky Denver Mint, Jim. Clarity was finished and ready to go. Artwork and everything complete. Only problem was we had no pending release date. Craig our, and our person had an idea to help us keep the ball rolling so we could have something to tour with. We would release an EP with a couple songs from the record and a couple outtakes and extra stuff. He put us in contact with Vinny from Less Than Jake, who also ran Field by Ramen Records. He was into the idea and agreed to put it out. Denver was the lead song for the EP. A couple crazy things happened after the EP was released. K-Rock in LA added the song to their playlist, and it was uh, pitched to be in a Drew Barrymore movie called Never Been Kissed. Bam. That week, we got a firm release date for the album. Zach. This was the first song of ours that got played on the radio. We first heard it as we were driving in our van over the hills between the valley and Hollywood on Coldwater Canyon Road. The reception kept kept cutting in and out, which was, looking back on it, a pretty accurate omen. The song didn't last long on the radio, and that was probably a good it's thing. It's funny. Coldwater is how I take Susie to work every day. <laughs> I live off of Coldwater on the valley side, and Susie works at yeah. <laughs> Louis Vuitton uh, off of Rodeo. And we take Coldwater Canyon every time I go. So I drive that road all the time. Um, uh, I have a strong. uh, This is Jim continuing. Uh, I have a strong suspicion. Craig was tactfully keeping from us that the label had no intention of releasing clarity. That is until K-Rock started playing it. 
Really, why would they have kept us around? I think at the time, Static Prevails had sold maybe somewhere close to 5,000 copies. One thing we learned early in the process of recording and touring with Static was that the big labels were great uh, at selling tens and hundreds of thousands of records. They had no infrastructure to develop a band like us that had sold a single handful of thousands. It was pretty rad doing the movie soundtrack. We got to meet Drew Barrymore. We got to make one of those videos where you see scenes from the movie interlaced. Uh, growing up, watching those always seemed to make the video a bigger deal. The film soundtrack was released and promoted worldwide at a time when our albums were not. Thanks to Miss Barrymore, we got the last one. We got at least one. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I thought that was kind of cool. That's pretty sweet, though. I don't think I had uh, read that before, the whole Cold Water Canyon yeah. thing. But just to think that you're sitting there, it, it's one of those stories that you read or That's you, you the, listen That thing to you do moment. That musicians will say, like, we're yeah. on the radio. Yeah, exactly. We're yeah, on the totally. radio. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, man, what a cool story. Um, and then th- I got this from Song Facts, too. Uh, and they talk about this a lot with clarity in general. Uh, the band took a more is more approach on this song, adding lots of layers. They were happy to experiment with all kinds of sounds because they didn't know if they would get a chance and the budget again. And they even talked about, so Mark Trombino is credited for programming on this song. Now I heard programming on the demo for sure, but I don't know that I really hear programming on the track. I guess like I always thought it was like kind of a guitar drone coming in the beginning underneath the drums but maybe that counts as programming i don't know what do you think well are you talking about like the that uh here let me listen to the intro real quick is that programming that just sounds yeah to me it sounds like a, a guitar i don't know about that programming yeah. but i mean maybe, maybe there's other pieces oh you know what what the about drums the drums in the uh, outro but that's two drums i was gonna say like it sounds kind of like chopped and screwed a little bit so like maybe uh-huh. he like took Zach's loops and like did something cool with it. But Zach played two drum kits on this song, which I just haven't come to my note about yet. Um, but that is. <laughs> well, here, let me let me play this last clip. So this is the last 20 seconds here. So uh, he may have played two kits, but there, that, that to me, that seemed like a lot of like audible phasing mm. left and right. That seemed like I, I imagine that that would have to be, in my eyes, programmed to, to be that on point. Sure. Maybe that's it. He had his, he dipped his little toe in there and now he gets, he gets the credit. <laughs> I mean, and, and well-deserved. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it sounds great. He's a, uh, a magician. Mm. Uh, I exported our side-by-side video. I'm going to send it to you just so you can see it. Um, and I'm going to quit so it doesn't kill my battery. (laughs) Um, I have more. No, what do you got? Well, I, I did also want to make the comment. So I I had mentioned that people like the lyrics of this song. Uh, there was a, from JG 429 song of the week, uh, from 10 months ago, lucky Denver mint. And the reason why those, Oh, I'm sorry. The song of the week was lucky Denver mint. It was submitted by Leo M Scun. And the reason why is it's just so beautiful and calming. I listen to it whenever I'm stressed. And that, so Swing Set Clouds was the top comment on there. And it says, they say, I love on clarity how Table for Glasses starts tentatively and builds to a swell before dropping the listener into the drums of Lucky Denver Mint and the words, this time it's on my own. 
Many a road trip mm. began this way for me, and it always makes me smile. Yeah. To which Brometheus replies, got chills right. reading your comment. I Ooh. saw that one. Right? Because you can just you can just bring up these these separate instances, but they're unifying because maybe somebody starts off their road trips with clarity and they just happen to yeah. read that. I'm not sure if that's what gave Brometheus chills or if he just you know, if they were just given placed in the same spot that Swing Set Clouds yeah. was placed in. Speaking of, I know we're talking about clarity of the album, but clarity of the track. On the B side of the jukebox vinyl for Lucky Denver Mint is a remastered version of the track Clarity. I want to hear that. I want to hear how different that is. I mean, we haven't done this on Clarity yet, so maybe that's readily available, but I don't, off the top of my head, I don't think that's a thing uh, that I've come across. Um, I do want to play real quick in the, (laughs) I might as well do it maybe in the background a little bit, but um, the 10-inch vinyl version somebody uploaded a clean rip of the vinyl uh, version of this song. So it's not any different than the regular version, but I just like to hear it. Uh. (laughs) Oh, this is a cool video. Listen to that clean rip. Just got the turntable, man. This time. This is Indie Records, is the uh, YouTube page. They have all kinds of uploads. It's a record sound source, they say in the description. And then user mm-mm, five months ago says, oh, nice quality. Thanks. <laughs> now here's what will be interesting. Is this came out and the song was added to... Uh, K-Rock playlist, right? So, I I didn't right. pay enough attention at the beginning. Did you notice if it was the Chris Lord Alfie version? Uh, I didn't catch Let's it. Let's go to the end and see what It didn't sound like it was. That's the drums. go into the next track Ooh. lowering mm-hmm. the standards of a process selective <laughs> of process selective yeah. um but yeah <laughs> it, but then uh i don't think we did we play it who knows this episode's all over the place um i was gonna play the end of the music video and we can hear how the music video which we believe is the chris lord algae version um let's listen to the intro here There, yeah, that high up on the neck thing. There it is. And then let's go. This is where it just loops and does a board thing at the end. 
And that makes sense for like a big radio single for like an alt rock band is to do a board fade out. Um, so I'm yeah. going to go ahead and say, yeah, that is the Chris Lord Alky mix. Those are the two telltale signs, unless anybody knows of another telltale sign of the uh, two versions. Um, oh, Lucky Denver Mint appeared on a best of emo songs list by Vulture at number 40. Uh, and here's what Vulture said. Though Clarity as a whole is far from more that uh, far from the more straightforward power pop indie rock they eventually leaned into. Jimmy Eat World's brand of emo has always maintained an everyman appeal at its most eccentric. There's a dark current running through their music an apprehension underlying even their most celebratory choruses, and that balance appeals to those who own their 95 split with Christy Front Drive, to those who enjoyed their rendition <laughs> of The Middle with Taylor Swift and everyone in between. The Midwestern sensibilities the band grew up with are all present on Lucky Denver Mint, but they're assembled familiarly enough to have made it out of the basements and onto the soundtrack for Never Been Kissed the most accessible song on an otherwise experimental album. It's an early example of a sonic chemistry that would later become Jimmy Eat World's ticket to mainstream success. Written by Emma Garland. Emma, I think you did an incredible job with that blurb. I think I could have read that and that could have been the whole episode. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I like yeah. the everyman comment. I mean, that's a great way and to describe it. And specifically, like the, I think the Midwest emo influence becoming something a little bit more and getting on that soundtrack is like exactly where they were. They weren't selling records. Um, and actually I think I have another sound bite yeah. from Jim. Uh, if you go to frame, my own play the slacker podcast clip, they talk about sort of okay. that whirlwind. Jim talks about that whirlwind feeling. Okay, here we go. Slacker podcast, but it didn't do great. Yeah. It oh. wasn't flying off the shelves, but I mean, it got, it got um, into a movie like lucky Denver mint, Got into a movie, uh-huh. and what was the scene? What's that? What was the movie? Oh, it was it was never been kissed with Drew Barrymore. Uh, what was the scene? I Is it when she's kissed? <laughs> Spoiler alert: she gets kissed. <laughs> oh my god! I'm not watching it now. Uh, right? And did we mention that it's, it's not that it's in actually the movie? Not in yeah, the, I thought the that film. I thought that sound bite had more to do the with the thing, but yeah, it, it it sort of talks about how like that made the difference. But I think there was another, and maybe no, this interview doesn't have it. Maybe I'll come. I'm still working my way down my notes, so maybe I'll come across it. This okay. part is the right. interview I talked about. So I came across this guy maybe six months ago, Chip Midnight. Do you remember hearing about Chip Midnight? So yes, Chip, Chip Midnight went and posted a bunch of reposted a bunch of his old emo interviews uh, that he did from the 90s. And he did this on Swizzlestick.com back in 99, an interview with Tom. And uh, I could I, I link directly to it, but it's a huge interview. But this was literally right before Lucky Denver Mint hit. So it must have been early 99. Here's the 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 sort of beginning of the article. And then I'll read the um, the Q&A where it, it makes the most sense to read. Behold, Jimmy World's second album for Capitol Records Clarity is now among us. So this was just probably the week of the release. Um, is now among us, and it will soon revolutionize the way other bands make music. The Arizona band that initially melded together influences ranging from punk rock to Metallica to Sunny Day Real Estate has found a new maturity and has filled out their sound with strings, keyboards, and even a drum machine. 
I first hooked up with Jimmy World upon the recommendation of Triple Fast Action's Wes Kidd, who co-produced their last album, Static Prevails, along with Mark Trombino of Drive Like Jehu. So Wes Kidd is from a band called Triple Fast Action. We'll have to revisit that. Uh, The total emotion that the band displayed both on record and in a live setting leaves me in awe to this day. Guitarist Tom Linton recently checked in with Sizzle Stick to give the lowdown on the new album as well as the new track the band recently recorded, um, which I have a theory about what that is. Um, so they must have probably conducted this interview in January or early February to be published the week that the record came out. Um, right. So he goes on to say, uh, I recognize some of the songs catching you live over the last year. Have you been playing most of the new stuff while on tour? And Tom says, uh, let's see. You saw us when we played at the college, Ohio State University, huh? Was that the last time? And then Chip says, I saw you in Cleveland in November, too, I think. Some of the song." Tom says, some of the songs we played on tour. Lucky Denver Mint we played. Blister we played a lot. Every night, we tried to throw in a couple of new songs to practice them and get them ready for when the record comes out. So they were playing Lucky Denver Mint and Blister pretty early on. And I actually, yeah, I have them playing. The first time they played Lucky Denver Mint was April 13th of 98 at Sudsy Malone's in Cincinnati, Ohio. Um, (laughs) uh, And that was, yeah, April 13th, 98. So, uh... Uh, 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 uh. Oh, uh, and Chip, uh, this is where they sort of talk about, do you think Capital's going to help you out on this album? Uh, so uh, Chip says, yeah, do you think Capital's actually going to get behind you this time around or help promote the album? Tom says, we're kind of getting played on the radio. So uh, so now, last time we played the Troubadour in LA, all these Capital people came to see the show and they're like, oh, we've been behind you the whole time. And they're people we'd never even met. Uh, but they're being cool. I think they're going to do a lot more than they did on our last record. That didn't do shit for us at all. Chip says, are they going to let you make a video or is that something you even care about? And Tom says, we probably will. We haven't even talked about it yet. I guess we'll see how it goes. And uh, uh, they talk more about Lucky Devermint. Uh, is Lucky Devermint the first single? And Tom says, yeah, it's crazy. We weren't really expecting it from uh, what happened with our last record. It's really cool. We're happy. A lot of Places are playing the single from the EP distributed by indie label Field by Ramen. Capital has helped us out a lot. They've got a new radio guy there that actually has been helping us a lot by calling up the radio stations and stuff. Uh, Chip says, would you be opposed to hearing one of your songs on any of the shows like Dawson's Creek or Buffy the Vampire Slayer? And this is where uh, he says, uh, Tom says, we got asked to do a song for basketball and we said no. We'll see. There's another movie that some guy at Capitol asked us if we wanted to do. I'd like to see what the movie is about before we commit to anything. So that makes me think that this was like mid-January to be coming out when the record comes yeah. out. Because at this point, they have a release date. So they're doing press, but they haven't like inked the deal Done with if- Never Been Kissed or anything. The other thing I found interesting is that Tom right. references we just recorded a new song we're really excited about, but unfortunately we already play, pressed the record. As far as I know, Sweetness was done when Clarity was done, but Sweetness didn't end up on Clarity. And my theory is that that's the song because Tom was like, "We're so stoked on this song; it's so good." Right, right. That's the one that was uh, that was kind of right in the correct middle, left over. Um, so they had pressed the record, but they'd written this song, and they were all super hyped on it. So. 
Uh, so yeah, that was the Chipman I interview, which I, I I've always gone back to when I'm doing research, but never actually had anything come up because it's such an a quote unquote early interview about clarity. Right. Um, right. So yeah, I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, let's see, I have a couple song meanings things. I like to always look at the uh, the pl- uh, the the I look at the positives one, but we already did all the positives. So then there's the negative one, uh, the 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 lowest rated comment on song meanings. And for the most part, this person just says one line about the song and then goes on and on about never been kissed. Um, <laughs> but they, my favorite part is they say, oh, this is Willow uh, Hazel. Yeah, Willow <laughs> Hazel. Uh, I interpret the chorus as Jim talking to himself. Great song, BT dubs. And then, uh, yeah, it's spelled, <laughs> spelled out B-E-T-E-E-D-U-B-B-S. Uh, and then goes on to talk about never been kissed for like a whole paragraph. Um uh, so yeah, oh yes. So I have the CD single art. I didn't realize how late it came out. Um, but yeah, this was scanned in by Stephen Brand for us. And yeah, what is it? What does it look like? A Walkman or a Subway or something? What do you think that artwork is? Yeah, I think it's uh, it's of the a side train of, a, of some uh, sort, okay. like an L trainer. Um, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, so that's what that is. I always find it funny when people put copyright in parentheses with a C as opposed to like just holding down option g or whatever it is right to yeah. get the actual um, icon i don't know 2001 or was a different time you had to hit like you had to use a numeric how did you do it on a pc back in the day you would have to like you have to type like three numbers oh you shit. know what i would do is mm, yeah so i would look it up and and this was before i want to say we, if you copy and pasted the that glyph it came as a box or didn't paste so you would have to hold down you have to find right. the key combination which was like you said, it was was alt two four six, and then it would show the glyph. Or if you got the wrong order, it would show something similar, uh, but yeah. just not the right one. Thank goodness right? you can copy and paste now. Uh, if you don't, if you don't know, yeah, in practically any <laughs> program, I love. Um, it. Oh, this was in Rock Band, and like many versions of Rock Band, this song, which made me wonder, like, where are the stems? And then I found the stems finally. But it, what's funny is. Usually those stems get posted to like YouTube or something somewhere and they weren't. Um, but they were it was playable in Rock Band, Rock Band 2, Rock Band 3, Rock Band Blitz and Lego Rock Band. Um, and it came with male singer, guitar solo, drum solo and three part harmonies. Um, so I did download it, but I don't think I did it on this computer and I added it to the thing. But I was like, oh, we should uh, we should dig into the stems I don't think they're splitter stems. I think they are. No, because I have the splitter stems. Oh, and they're really? Bad. Uh, let me download it and yeah. see. I think I downloaded it on like my work computer, and then I had to leave. Um, let me see if I can download it and add it to the drive, so we can dig around on it later. Um, and there was actually a. Let's actually take a listen here. Somebody had uploaded a karaoke version to YouTube that I feel like you could hear some like high background vocals on, but I'm wondering if it's from these stems. Let's see. Where did you end up finding the stems if it wasn't on YouTube? So somebody did a remix remaster on YouTube using, oh, here we go. I found this. Somebody did a, uh, like they said, I remixed the song from the stems. And I was like, well, how did they get the stems? And then they straight up put the link in the, in the thing. So, um, oh, so they did a remix of it, which we can look at. Uh, and then there's this karaoke version. 
apparently it's already downloaded for me. So let's see. Maybe what I'll do. Oh, they're OGG files. How easy or not is that going to be to? Oh, boy. <laughs> to rip. Um, the Og, the Og Vorbis. Jeez. How old are these files? It does seem to. So it has vocals, song, which I'm assuming is the whole song, rhythm, guitar, and then three drum tracks. And then Whoa. there's notes.mid, song.ini, and then an album art file. What a trip. And then somebody also updated, uploaded these. I'll, I'll, uh, let's listen to these uh, first. Uh, somebody uploaded the quote-unquote tabs, uh, where then it reminded <laughs> me of your, um, your Ultimate Guitar website. Oh, yeah. So it has the song, but then it has like a digital guitar playing the notes. So that's guitar one. And then somebody did guitar. Well, not somebody. It's the same people did guitar two, which just sounds bonkers because they have like eighth notes or something. I skipped forward because there's second guitar didn't come until here. Oh, man. Incoming. It's like a machine gun. Yeah. That's what it sounds bass. like. I hope this is what the stems actually sound like. <laughs> yeah, I uh This sounds like pretty good compared to the other stuff. I mean, it's going to be a lot of that. <laughs> there is also the the one that I took while I'm letting yeah. this install. Hopefully, it will install in time. Uh, there is the one that I took from the MIDI, <gasps> and then I was able to take it, through it into GarageBand. And where Band. did you get the MIDI file? From Ultimate Guitar? You know, I, I don't remember which site. It was the top five or six sites were trying to charge three or four bucks for it, and I thought, there's got to be a MIDI file somewhere. So there was a, there's two versions of the MIDI file that I was able to find. Um, the first one I downloaded, I was like, I'll just go with this one. And it sounded really good in, in GarageBand. Uh, and I just took out most of the tracks. I left in the drums and I think Guitar One. But what you can do is you can route them through this free uh, chiptune plugin. But let me play this for you. I'll, I'll turn it down a little bit because it's so loud. <laughs> but. I love it. Yeah. came out so well it came out pretty good for me kind of being being kind of hands-off just setting it up and then letting it run absolutely uh 
Yeah, I was happy with that. Big fan of that. I have a couple other things to play later that'll uh, sound like those. <laughs> so I do have this fan remix. Let's take a listen to what he was able to do using the stems that I've just provided to you. This is Hubert 2 Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> this time it's on. electric boogaloo that sounded yeah, really let's see what good you did with the end i don't know if this is the uh, drums or uh the fade out drums mm. i love it love it i love it lowering the standard of a process. <laughs> All right, let's see if I can get this. I've got this thing so close here. I just got to drop my media. It says drop media drop here, man. Drop that media, baby. What are you going to drop right, first? Let's see how quickly. Um, let's start with let's start with the drums just cuz I want to hear that. I do hear it. Good. So I noticed that that was very sparse. So no wonder there's three drum tracks. Right. Yeah, so this has got to be... If I play drums too, let's see real quick. Now, these are the actual stems from the recording, right? Uh, well, what I assume they are is the rock band stems. Usually when stems come out from a song, it's because they were in rock band. Gotcha. Okay, let me drag this over here. A little bit of a routing problem. Let's see if I can fix that. Okay, well, let's listen to well, listen to the guitar. I want to listen to the vocals last because I want to hear that harmony. Yeah. So much bleed. Yeah. Out, Whoa. huh? <laughs> well, I it's on the right channel now, it's all on the right channel. Oh, so I must be missing it, it's not coming through to me. Yeah, yeah, I 
you know, it's always amazing to me hearing what components go into like a finalized mixed song and how normal they yeah, sound. Yeah, right. <laughs> it just there's so much that goes into mixing. I love that aspect of it. I'm I'm so out yeah. of it, but all right, let's see. Do you want to go to the just to go to the yeah. vocals? All right, let's listen to these vocals. Yeah, there's a lot of the drums in that one. This time it's on my own. So sultry. Minutes from somewhere else. It's weird. I feel so yeah, close. Man. Somewhere <gasps> I made a wish. <gasps> With lucky Denverment. You're not bigger than this, not better. Why can't you learn? You're not bigger than this, not better. Why can't you learn? Hurry, go on ahead. Good things won't let you wait. It's a lot less enthusiasm than I thought there was going to be. <laughs> I'll catch up when we get home. At home, I'll leave. A dollar underwater keeps on dreaming for me. Now he's doing the heavy lifting. No harmonies, though. This, not better, no. Can't you learn? Those have got to be in the song, You're right? You're not bigger yeah. than this. Not better, can't you learn? Well, let's listen to that, then. You're not bigger than... I'll go to, I'll go to 130. They come. I was hoping they'd be a little bit more clear or isolated, yeah. rather. But they, it seems like they're just lumped into that one. The yeah, there's song, a lot in uh, that song. song. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Fuck, I didn't think I had so much stuff on this song. Um, <laughs> um, all right, let me go back here. Uh, yes, Reddit Song of the Week. Oh, uh, there's this new thing that they were doing on the subreddit that I just did not understand, so I did not participate. Um, that Walking on a Wire did, that was a subreddit album. Did you see this Mm-mm, thing? I did not. I can't explain it because I didn't understand it, but I, I think it was like basically like what does the subreddit think is like the quintessential Jimmy World album? 
cool thing is I like the name of the album that they came up with is For Us This Is Heaven. And there's a two disc set. One is the disc one is called One of Us Has to Drive. And disc two <laughs> is called One of Us Gets to Think, oh, which I think is pretty that's cool. cool. Anyway, Lucky Devermint ended up as track two on that uh, double album. That uh, th- There were a lot of parameters for what made the, the cut and all that stuff. I was like, whatever. They're all good. So <laughs> um, in terms of survivors, Pebble Swift Survivor, it was voted out in round eight. And in Walking on a Wire Survivor, it was voted out in uh, round four. Uh, it, it made it to fifth. Yeah, place. it got to round five. Yeah. Um, yes. And then, oh, Drew Hale on the Facebook group says that this is his all time never ending repeat song. And he had posed a two part question to the to the Facebook group uh, that was, which is your favorite pre 2010? Which is your favorite album pre 2010? And what's your favorite song from that record? He chose Lucky Denver Mint from Clarity is the song that he could listen to on repeat until the end of time. Um, oh, no, that was actually question two was if you had to listen to only one Jimmy World song the rest of your life on repeat from any year, what would it be? For me, it's Futures and off Futures, it's 23. So that's his answer to question one. Answer to question two, my never ending repeat song would be Lucky Denver Mint. Um, which, yeah, man, this song goes all over the place. And finally, in I, I let me just scroll and make sure because sometimes I get all crazy and then I go all kind of out of <laughs> out of order. Uh, oh, yeah. I didn't tell you that this is a B minor 10 a Camelot 123 BPM song. Um, and the last time they played it was March 29th, 2020. Uh, oh, no, that's that's by somebody else. Because, <laughs> yeah, uh, Jimmy World played this song 545 times. Jim Adkins played it 27 times. And then some guy named Chad Kopf played a private event on March 29th, 2020, which is not cool. That is after quarantine, bro. Um, so anyway, uh, I know Mark or Chad. Yeah, I feel like they played it very recently. They play it's still a staple in their set. It's like their number nine most played song um, live. So finally, our boy Jake T. O'Donnell has this in his top 20. Ooh boy. Uh, Lucky Denverman. I'm gonna go ahead and say this is number seven. Number twenty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Tail end. Um, the middle truly broke Jimmy Eat World, but the first song that gained them any kind of recognition and forced Capital's hand to actually release Clarity was Lucky Denverman. Zach recently recounted the story on Twitter. Craig Aronson signed Jimmy Eat World to Capital and never stopped believing in them, despite the label's horrible handling of the young band. Once Clarity was finished, the band strongly suspected Capital would never release it. Aronson, who passed away a few years ago, took Lucky Denver Mint and gave it to LA's iconic K-Rock and connect- it connected with the audience, and Capital then had to release Clarity. Lucky Denver Mint made its way onto the soundtrack of Drew Barrymore's rom-com bomb, Never Been Kissed, and suddenly people knew who these guys were. With Lucky Denver Mint, the band started the process of melding fast-paced, heart-on-your-sleeve punk with shimmery pop. There's no question this laid the groundwork for the pop-rock mastery of Bleed American, but it also stands on its own as a phenomenal achievement, something so fun to enjoy all these years later. Oh, and then there's the music video. No more words need to be said. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, uh, yeah, I think, oh, oh, I have a bunch of live videos. That's what I have. Um, 
but that we can get into the video uh, portion of this now. Mm. Um, they uh, Jim played this at Velva Jones, where when uh, we were at that show uh, in 2015. Um, if you go to 415 on this file, yeah, because this is he, he played it. I think as there part of his go. encore, and I didn't split these tracks uh, for some reason. Oh, this is the Lucky Denver Mint demo that you sent over. What? Well, yeah. He did play it at Velvet Jones, I promise you. And you'll just have to take my word for it. Oh, well, that's my bad. Um, I was interested in seeing this, uh, and I'm going to have to message this to you because uh, it's on Facebook, uh, in the Facebook group. But this guy, Jonathan Lee, was like, oh, I had fun uh, uh, before while heading home from work or something like that. And uh, <laughs> I don't know what, what, what the video is. I didn't watch it yet. But it's him driving his car. He says, uh, this is a Snapchat video I did in January and the lens flare timed out perfectly. No, I was driving in an empty parking lot, headed home from work and not actually out on open roads. Hashtag safety first. Hashtag lucky Denver men, which is how I came across this video. Again, I don't know what it is, but I figure we could learn about what it is here on the pod. <laughs> All right, here we go. Ten yeah. seconds. So it's just him sort of nonchalantly looking around while driving. And then right as he turns and the sun flare hits the lens is the, the lyrics kick in. Uh, so that's cute. Um, let's see. I want to go sort of in order. Where, which, do you know which track um, the Lucky Denver Mint shows up on in the Velvet Jones recording that you have? Uh, like 14 or something like that. Maybe okay, later. So it's it's mixed up with two. It's two tracks together. Let me say, Velvet. Okay. Oh, beautiful is yeah. and Lucky Denver Mint. So you want me to go to four fifteen in there? Yeah. Gotcha. Here we go. Come on, Jim. Come on. Oh, I love this player. Like I forgot how the second verse goes. Oh no, really? I don't know what. Does anyone know the line for this? And then how to do that? It's sort of you know. It was an endearing moment, I guess. And I, I hopefully didn't mean to make it that way, but. This time it's comes out guns blazing totally man um so let's see i i'm kind of all over the place but i i want to go and play some really cool stuff this is probably one of the coolest things i saw this is the band playing in 99 this is uploaded by brian b and this is march 30th 99 and i really really tried to find who they were playing with what other band they were touring with uh and i couldn't find it but 
check out the dual drummer action that they literally played live with two drummers, uh, Lucky Denver Mint. And it sounds fucking cool. Uh, I'm going to play it and watch together here. cool right yeah why does zach look blurry <laughs> just him <laughs> yeah right i don't know <laughs> uh, what, uh he's got like the ring uh the ring uh thing. yeah <laughs> uh let's play the end and see if they do anything cool with the outro Hey, yeah, that was tight. Synchronized it. So yeah, I just don't Literally. have any information about why they specifically played with two drummers at that show and and all of that. But I thought that was pretty cool. Um, ninety nine. Yeah, huh? that was back in ninety nine. And I have a couple other really cool things. Remember director's chair video? There was this guy that rented a camera from director's chair video, and then he like shouts them out in the in the. Oh, uh, yeah, I told you who uh, posted that video up. So this is from Benazona, and this is at the Green Room in 99. And I think we've played footage from this show before, but in his description here, he says, in December of 99, my brother and I drove to Tempe from Tucson for two back-to-back Jimmy Eat World oh, shows yeah. at the Green Room, and unfortunately now defunct venue. This was an interesting time to catch the band as it's about six months prior to the release of their mainstream breakthrough album, Lead American. The venue was small and intimate with excellent sound. The best, the band was spot on and extraordinarily passionate in their performance. And as usual, Jim Atkins leaves it all on the floor. He is the Steve Nash of modern day rock and roll. I remember saying that not knowing who Steve Nash was yeah. at the time. Uh, we shot this on a rented VHS camera from Director's Chair Video in Tucson. The camera wasn't that great, but Director's Chair Video rules. So cool. I think this sounds amazing. Is this just the sound from the yeah. board or the VHS camera? compressor on well, that microphone anything, just like incredible Mike, yeah, remember uh the video that we watched that was mike dubin's uh the roller rink and that was the same style yeah. camera uh, it was like the the large actual full-size vhs cassette and maybe they just have a higher uh a higher uh sound rating that they can handle right but both of those sounded pretty decent so good so this is another fan made like i don't know if it's a fan made low cell productions um frank tenant but he, the the information on this video is kind of interesting. I'll do the same thing. I'll read along. 
So this is the straight up track. But the footage is Lucky Denver Mint Video. This video was made before Jimmy World was blowing up on MTV. 1999, B-I-A-T-C-H. I shot this all on a high 8 video camera with 52 millimeter lens. Not that you can tell on here. And did some effects, etc., on a Pentium 166 with a host of different programs Photoshop, Premiere, etc. The PC kept crashing and doing weird stuff to the video files. So some of the transitions and effects are natural. Some of the mistakes are uh, turned out cool. I kept the crashes and weird stuff and assembled the video on an avid machine at school. So this was like, this is like such a weird amalgamation of things in this video, but it's pretty cool. Right. Like just cool old yeah, footage this... of the band. Doesn't it look like he's filming the the camera or the screen? Yeah, it looked like he was filming the filming a, the t the monitor that was that had the the footage up. Maybe this guy's full of. Maybe he's faking. Is this guy? Uh, what's he doing now? Is he is he editing? Uh, oh, let's see. It's like he had some creative. He's got one creative whole uh, processes here. Yeah, no. Oh, you're right. <laughs> Nothing, no. huh? About. Nope. I have no extra information for you. I'm sorry. Huh, that's But okay. I thought the footage was kind of cool. But now I'm thinking maybe he stole yeah. this. This is bootleg footage. What the fuck? Um, <laughs> uh, so they did a couple other things. Uh, uh, I'll, I'll do this one. Um, in terms of, so we saw him play 2015 at the Velvet Jones when we were there. And then they played at Zia Records. Um, back in 20, let's see when they did this, 2016. So a year and a half after we saw him at uh, the thing. But what's really cool is during the pandemic, just a couple months ago, a couple weeks ago maybe, uh, the band actually released the board recording of the Zia Records show. So now I can play you the clean audio from Zia Records as opposed to uh, the fan cam footage that let me tell you who uploaded this fan cam footage uh metal luke our boy metal uke of course metal luke metal uke metal uke <laughs> uh, uploaded the footage so yes metal uke's got the video evidence but jimmy Eat world has posted the clean audio from this show and this performance of lucky deverman this time it's on Came out pretty cool. Yeah, and I believe. Let me check. Metal, I like the picture. Metal Uke's footage here. Um, but I have a. F- 
feeling that Rick is not on stage with them. Yeah, it's just Jim and Tom and then Zach with a shaker next to them yeah. at this very crowded Zia record store. <laughs> um, OK, and then uh, finally, in terms of live performance stuff, uh, we played recently uh, um, a performance from the iHeartRadio show that they did uh, in Burbank, just down the street from my office. And uh, they had uh, played Lucky Denver Mint at that show. So we have a pro shot recent recording of them playing this song. <laughs> this is a song from our clarity album. It's called Lucky Denver Mint. Love those octaves, man. Very good. Ooh. Love that sound. Yeah. Um, That's the uh, the machine gun, right? Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so uh, before I get into covers, I did come across this. Oh, two things. One was really bad, unfortunately. Um, this was kind of interesting. Um, somebody on SoundCloud was comparing, I assume, V-Drum sounds and specifically playing the Lucky Denver Mint beat. So this is the real chavo or what is this the real something um but he just keeps playing this beat oh yeah the real chacho that's it said the ssdx versus the ezx2 but this is like six different versions of the same beat <laughs> yeah yeah right yeah i thought that was pretty cool now i do have a rave dj that i'm not proud of did you do a, a rave dj for this i did so um and i can move mine up. i go ahead had me i was like let me think uh rather than thinking of uh let me go thematic not uh not tune bat you know and so right. i said lucky denver meant what's the first coin song i could think of i thought of pennies from heaven uh by louis armstrong and uh or am i think is it louis armstrong or is it louis prima shit <laughs> anyway specifically i wanted to do also a video mashup uh, i should get the song right um louis prima so sorry um so Louis Prima does Pennies from Heaven. They use that song in Elf. So I was like, let me get the Lucky Denver Mint music video and have Rave DJ put a video together cutting the them playing Ultimate Frisbee in sports against 
the elf <laughs> montage. And uh, unfortunately, you hear where it could work, but it just doesn't. Um, but the yeah. video is kind of fun to watch because it's got elf in it. And here we are on okay. recording the first day of fall. So. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> it's just uh, all over the place. So curse. that's it oh my goodness um it was erratic yeah yeah i uh i didn't know it was gonna be that crazy let me uh let me unlist unlist this one i'm gonna copy this one is i'll put this in ray in uh watch together i was able to get it up in time let's see so this one's titled heights eat great lucky denver mint Ooh. yeah i'll play a little bit of this Whoa. Wow. I... It matched the beat pretty well, man. Yeah. Not bad, huh? Not bad. We used uh, such great heights for mean, something it, recently. It, I don't remember what. Yeah, we did. It's because it's on the when you look at the at the page where it gives you recommendations. Yeah, I didn't want to like rack my brain on what could really work with this. Totally. So I scrolled down way to the bottom and saw such great heights. I was like, <laughs> let's do it. Okay, uh, how many covers do you have? Uh, top picks uh four but i have total one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve okay so you have a lot i i have more than that but <laughs> um a lot and, <laughs> and hopefully we have some overlap um however i have a lot of soundcloud and Bandcamp stuff uh oh wow no, i have none of that yeah i didn't go to youtube at all so well that's not true but i didn't go to youtube much obviously i want to hit our boy joshman pd did you see josh uh, had a uh yeah had a cover yeah, was this was this the other one that he had mentioned? Like, uh, I think he that, he's uh, he's always like, "Oh, you guys are gonna one. find the one <laughs> or something." Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know which one the one is. Yeah, but yeah. we found a few of yours. Uh, so Joshua Aguilera, <laughs> Lucky Devermint, Jimmy Eat World cover. Uh, here it is, black screen. He wants the music to speak for itself. Yeah. This time it's on my own. Somewhere else 
nylon string guitar, right? Gotta be. Gotta be. Somewhere I made a wish. It lucky Chords down, man. Yeah. You're not bigger than this, not better. Why can't you Hurry. Great job, Josh. As always. Uh, is there one you want to play in front of the paywall? I have one more I want to play in front of the paywall, but I want to. Uh, let's do a back and forth if we can. Um, I could pitch pick any one of these that uh, I didn't mark as like green. All right, let's do this one. We'll do the Mad Sugars. Okay. Because I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make sure I put this in watch together because I want you to notice that this guy is staring deep. Oh, into no, soul. not the eye contact. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Let's <laughs> see. This is. I like I like how dynamic he he makes yeah. it. Yeah, really he, singing out there. The low angle though, yeah, man. The low angle uh, eye contact is wigging me out. Yeah, I don't think he looked as much as I thought he did. I thought he didn't break break the stare, but <laughs> yeah, no breaking. Uh, yeah, right. The Mad Sugars that sounded good. I liked it. Did you see School of Rock? Oh yeah. Oh, a couple man. of times. I love these kids. Oh, uh, not the movie. The, there's like oh. <laughs> now a franchise of music schools called the School of Rock. Um, oh, and these kids are doing it, and it's just so adorable. Um, so this is uploaded by Grind Ethos Records. It's adorable. This is at Just Jake's June 3rd, 2012. Yeah! <laughs> Dude, they're having a blast! I love the pogoing. I also love the kids. Like everybody in the crowd, also has so, guitars yeah, on. They are, yeah, and I'm sure they are just itching to get up there and and play. Yeah, this makes me think of what they would do at the end of the year at uh, World Music, right? They'd have something similar to this, where they'd have like uh, for all the students that were in uh, throughout the training sessions or the like a showcase uh, the of lessons. Some sort, they like. would have a yeah a showcase at the end of the year, like around Christmas time, but. 
I never got to experience one. This is this is what I imagine it looked like. How fun. So fun. We've talked about this specific audio file before. This is Adele Fermanis on the Facebook group. And she says, I don't know if I posted this or not or did, uh, uh, but did this to my sundown as a loop as a part of a cover. Note, not typically good at singing or looping, but somehow can bang out a tune. Bear that in mind, I and Adele the singer, uh, LOL, uh, just really have bad tone and I hate my voice sometimes, cannot afford lessons. 50 quid a pop for one hour. Uh, <laughs> as I bought a new guitar gear, oops, I blame reverb, tasty tings on there anyway, song used as a crossover refrain from what I can remember. Lucky Denver Mint, Bleed American, Sweetness, Hope you like this clip. Might do a cover on YouTube eventually. So I remember the sounding bizarre, but let's see if we could pick out Lucky yeah. Denver Mint. Okay. I wanted to say it's this time it's on my own. That's what I thought. Yeah, I I hear Lucky Demerman and I hear Sweetness for sure. Uh, But yeah, it's interesting. I don't don't know what she's doing, but um, this next is Wyatt Lewis. He said, recorded this yesterday too and figured it might as well share it too. Here's Lucky Demerman. Wyatt posted this April 5th of this year. All right, Wyatt. I always love those uh just uh, the, muted, the, the muted strings yeah mm. so did tom and jim in those other videos we watched <laughs> yeah right um, that was good wyatt yeah and actually i think that's gonna be it because it looks like the other one i found on reddit is just uh yeah caught buenos aires so we've already oh, okay. seen we've already heard caught bonus on buenos aires so there it is a lucky denver mint um we do have a Q&A that we were going to do. Is there any other thoughts you yeah. had on Lucky Denver Mint? 
No, this is a. Other than saying this is a this is a solid track, uh, the very first song of Jimmy Eat World that I heard, um, I want to say it's the first one that I heard on, on the radio. Uh, I know I know it was on the radio, but the first one that I heard of theirs. Um, so it's been with me for a long time. Uh, it's a jam. It's uh, it, it's a mint, and uh, I don't know what else to say other than I really enjoy this one, man. What do you think? I remember when we started the show and you talked about this song in particular being your gateway, me not really having like I liked the song, but being kind of surprised about that. But I don't think I knew it was on the soundtrack. I maybe had seen that video once before, um, but just never really thought much about the song. And uh, now, I mean, I mean, it's a live staple. Um, I just never really thought of it that much. Definitely didn't know how much of a role, how big a role it did. Uh it had in sort of the band's success in the band's career. So as we've done the show, I've found more of an affinity for this song. Um, and yeah, after doing the research and seeing how instrumental this was to their careers, it's hard yeah. to ignore. Um, and uh, right. yeah, it's kind of weird that I had that to know that I had that weird relation, not weird relationship, but that disconnect from the song when we started the show. Uh, Cause really it was your sort of championing championing of the song that got me like saying, Oh yeah, I guess it's, yeah, it's kind of a banger, right? <laughs> yeah. And so, then hearing the comments that yeah. you made, uh, the quotations that you, you had uh, about the song from uh, other people, just JT O'Donnell, you know, just saying that this was the song that put them over the top and, and sort of forced uh capital's hand. Just, there's a lot, there's a lot of uh, writing on this, this song that, you know, I just, I, I'm, I'm, I'm very fortunate to have learned that over this period of time too. I just, and I Craig, loved the song. Yeah. And Craig Aronson had the forethought to be like, no, let's put an EP yeah. out. Let's lead, let this be the lead single. And then called K rock and got them to play right. it. Uh, that's pretty cool. Right. Great questions. Tonight. Yeah. Thanks everybody for writing in. Uh, this was Justin's idea to do the Q and a for episode 50. And I thought it was really fun. Um, Oh, before we go, you, Justin, you had uh, teased that you'd created something for our 50th episode that I have since seen. And wow, is it incredible? Yeah. Um, so did you want me to, oh, I mean, we can share it. It's hard, kind of hard to describe it, but <laughs> we're sort of centered around Bill and Ted, you know, because of the catchphrase, we figured that that they, they kind of represent us in a, in a sense. Um, so it takes all of that in. It takes in the, the fact that I love Nintendo and video games. It just has everything in there. Yeah. So we'll just be sharing that on the, I guess when this, this episode releases, we'll put that out there. Yeah. Uh, and it's super fun and I'll definitely put it up on, uh, on, uh, Instagram and stuff like that. But, uh, gosh, what a marathon episode. Yeah. Um, now I'm going to go get some sleep and <laughs> hopefully have sweet dreams where I'm excellent, but be, yeah, where uh, I tell myself in my dream, be excellent to each other. And then I say, uh, and party on dudes. <laughs> Is Rick Pratt really on this call? No. <laughs> <laughs> because that's a whole other podcast. I so imagined you know. it. Oh, yeah, yeah. I imagined as much. I, I suppose we can jump right into it. Darren, uh, my co-host Justin is also on the call. Justin, Darren, hey, Darren. Darren Justin. Uh, hey, guys. Hey, Hi, Darren. <laughs> and, oh, yeah, Rick, Darren, oh, Darren, Rick. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I thought we could jump right into it real quick. And uh, uh, in a way, uh, I sort of serendipitously made this happen. I worked for a producer years and years ago 
and Rick was like the the hotshot editor that would come in and do the the fancy cool stuff. And so Rick became my mentor for a while. And maybe ten or twelve months in, I can't imagine I hadn't mentioned Blink One Eighty Two before. But Blink One Eighty Two is my all time favorite band. And he was like, "Oh yeah, I cut that video." And I, and I was like, "Wait, what?" And uh, and that became like a whole like every now and again, if it was slow or we were waiting on a render, I'd be like, so so like when you were cutting this or like when you were working with Pennywise, was it great? Yeah, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, there's a whole other I mean, you I mean, you honestly could do a whole other. I mean, Rick, is, I mean, if if I have any part in, in any form of history somewhere in whatever this industry is, it doesn't happen without Rick Pratt. I mean, literally, if there's no Rick. I don't think I even have a career and, I, and I'm not even trying to be just, I'm, I mean, like, I, I mean, I, I mean, I think you would, I mean, maybe I would have found somebody Rick, but I mean, uh, yeah. if it's not for you, <laughs> if, if I don't walk into your studio, I don't know if this happens. Yeah. Yeah. And, and for the fact that it's like, Oh, you're doing music videos. Holy cow. Yeah, totally. All right. And you shot all this. All right, let's do this. I mean, and you're a musician and you get it and you're, Cutting like JD Power and Associates, like you know, and you're like, wait, 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 like we're gonna do a music video, and like yeah. and you, it was really weird, like yeah, I mean you, yeah. Well, but maybe we I'll, could do a, I'll, a I'll, 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 maybe we could do a Reader's Digest version, but like how, yeah, what was the first video that you guys kind of hooked up on, and then how long did that relationship sort of like continue? I believe the uh, first video was that guttermouth video that uh, uh, you brought in. Well, no, well, I mean, it depends how no, far well, that was the first one that I worked with on you, with you. No, the first video you ever cut with me was Scatterbrain. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, 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 you're right, Scatterbrain. I'm <laughs> I mean, sorry, like, I, was, I was replacing, first, I, mean, yeah, like, I was getting the names confused. You're right, absolutely, with Scatterbrain. Scatterbrain, gutter mouth, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, only the best, only the best names. Um, but, I mean, yeah, I mean, Ellie walked in, and it was a band called, I had begged a band to let me do a video for them, and they, and they did and shot a bunch of video and super eight and 16 millimeter. I don't even know how we figured out how to get it onto tape. And then I went into the yellow pages, literally in the yellow pages for video editing. And there was a facility and there was a facility that I could walk to from my house. <laughs> and and uh, just uh, for clarification for all of you young kids listening, the yellow pages were a book they published that had everybody's address like and internet. phone number in it. It was the internet. And <laughs> yeah. Anything you needed was in a big book called the yellow pages. And I went to V for video production and actually walked. I actually walked because my car wasn't working, but I, I, I may have been ridden my bike and I rode my bike down there and I walked into a facility and I met, I met Eric Blum and I met Rick Pratt and I said, I've got these tapes and I want to cut a music video. And we started and I mean, 20 years, 15, I mean, I mean, it just, it just, I mean. Well, Rick, I, I got it. I think that was like, what, 1988, 89? Night would have been ninety because I graduated high school in nineteen ninety. Yeah. Okay, nineteen ninety. All right. Yeah. So, uh, so you know, nineteen ninety to twenty twenty. Uh, you know, thirty years. A good thirty year. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. And really, I mean, Rick, and just for a quick reader's digest, I mean, I think, really, I mean, it, it is. This is a great story. But, I mean, Rick. I mean, I was this young kid. I was the only kid making music videos. That was an eighteen, nineteen year old kid. 
with all these bands that were going to be that age group as well. And no one knew what they were doing. And, and honestly, I mean, when, when you think of Pennywise, you think of Guttermouth, you think of uh, AFI, you think of Jimmy E. World, you think of Blink-182, you, you think of every band that would go on to define an entirely new generation of sound and visuals and all that stuff. I mean, all that was literally Rick. Rick is the guy cutting all of that and helping us understand about just narrative and why do you hold for a scene and then cut to here and why, you know, and I think, well, I think one of the, the things that sticks out the most for me about working with Rick early on is because Rick was in a band, he was a musician, he understood that it was a full band. It wasn't, let's just look at the lead singer mm-hmm. and then maybe cut away at some point. And if, and I, and I was just thinking about this, trying to kind of get my brain going for this. Rick, I mean, because I loved working with bands and Rick was an actual musician, when, when I go back and look at our videos now, I think we're the only people that actually made videos where the drummer got just as much time as the singer. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. That was, I mean, we, that we was really all were, you know, breaking some new ground. You know, this yeah, this was I mean, at that point. Plan. Yeah, and also too, you got to realize video, video, uh, you know, home video itself. Which you know, you were we were bringing stuff in on VHS and, and high A. You know, that yep. stuff. Uh, you know, the ability to be able to 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 creatively create videos like this. You know, where we really were just brainstorming on that. That just didn't happen so much. I mean, by the time we did uh, the Jimmy Eat World one, it was. But when we first started doing it. You know, uh, right. video was in the hands of the moneyed few, basically. And, you know, we didn't have kids coming in. You know, nobody could come in and afford it. And this was like one of the first times people were just brainstorming live in an edit session, you know? Yeah. And and I think what's also interesting, too, is, you know, Rick was really the kind of, he was my kind of Gandalf as far as like the sort of wizardry of trying to figure out whatever one meant. Because you have to understand, back then, there was actually a thing that was, you know, there, there was this language that, that it wasn't broadcast quality and something had to be broadcast quality. And I would ask Rick, like, what does this mean? What are lines of resolution? Like what, like, and, and you have to understand that that was a big concept to understand because once we realized that we could take, well, let me just back up. There was, there was a few things that I remember talking to Rick back in the day about one was the Rodney King video and, and, and the other one was America's Funniest Home Videos. Now, that might be two horrible things to think about together. But, <laughs> I, but, I remember, but I remember asking Rick, like, how come they're able to put this on TV? Is this broadcast quality? And Rick had said to me, look, as long as you put whatever you have on a tape format that technically is the broadcast quality, you can put anything on TV. And that changed everything for me everything wow well that's cool man well i and you're you're right darren that's this could be a whole show <laughs> yeah so we don't want to hijack your show i'm yeah. I'm, I'm already trying not to get teary-eyed looking at rick so <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> um so uh lucky denver mint specifically uh, uh, the band had said that you, uh, because from your work with Davey Von Bolin and the Promise Ring was kind of how they got hooked up with you. They'd only had one other video under their belt. They'd met with you to do the treatment, and then that was their soundbite. So now here you are. Uh, I'm sort of interested in what your what your original treatment was, what you ended up getting on the screen, and then Rick, I want to talk about the two versions that ended up going out. 
Yeah, um, that's really interesting. I forget about Davy and the Promise Ring, and because in my mind, I, I I always thought that my work with Blink was the thing that was getting me other jobs with other people. But we were doing all these other videos for all these other bands, and I I forget a lot that the Promise Ring as a band had such a big influence. People had such an affinity for that band and loved that band that a lot of projects came because of the you know Promise Ring video. But you know, we sort of lived in these two worlds, which was we loved rock, we loved metal, we loved hardcore, and we could make really gnarly videos that just kicked you in the face, but we're also a bunch of goofballs and Rick's a goofball. I'm a goofball. I mean, we're, we're definitely really super. Um, I mean, we, we are as, you know, I mean, we're, we're definitely artists and we're, and we're, we're very serious about it when we get there, but we're also just it's a bunch of goofballs. And so we like to do funny things. And so whenever I had a chance to do a funny storyline, which didn't involve, we, you know, we, we never had a lot of money. I always went with humor and the promise ring was a funny video link 182 or, you know, funny. And I think, and it's really weird because when I think of Jimmy world as a band, I don't think of them as a funny band, you know, like I don't think, but, but they are really funny. And I think I just pitched them this idea that what if it was a day off of tour and you tried to do all these things you try to do on tour, like just play some basketball and Frisbee and, you know, um, and then someone would just ruin it. Like no matter what, no matter what you tried to do, someone would just ruin it and it would be really, really funny. And like, that was it. And that kind of, that was the idea. And then they said, okay. And it was just kind of that easy. And, but then it got added to the soundtrack for the movie. She um, never been kissed. And then that threw in like, well, I think they're going to pay for it now. So we've got to get movie footage into it. And, and, I, and I remember thinking, okay, and, I, and I think our very first edit was actually, we cut the music video. I'll just, do, and then we'll go back to details. We, and I tried to say, how about in the middle breakdown, we just show all the movie clips. Uh-huh, yeah. It was like, how do we preserve this whole storyline? And then in the middle, just boom, 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 and then come back out. And, and, that, and then I remember getting a note. I think from the essay, we got a note from Drew Barrymore, like, it'd be best to cut the movie footage throughout the whole video. And it was like, wow, we just got a note from Drew Barrymore. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say direct from her, huh? <laughs> right. Yeah. So it was, which was really kind of cool. So, you know, that was the idea. Let's just go have fun. And then of course we'll film the band. I literally had an apartment and I painted the wall that we just moved the furniture and it was like literally a 400 square foot apartment. We moved the furniture. I painted a wall. I texturized the wall, that orange Brown, that's why you don't see the band together. I only had enough room to shoot them individually against the wall. <laughs> so that, that was that was it. I mean, so that so that that was the idea. That was the concept. We had to intercut the movie footage, and then I had to paint a wall, and I could only shoot one band member at a time. And that's what I remember. That's awesome. And then you, there was uh, there was a member of another band that was a cameo in that video. Was that a band that you had done? Yes, that's right. So Jonah Matranga, who was in a band called Far, was a part. I'd, I've done videos for for them, and, and we were all just kind of around at that time, and bands were touring. And um, and I can't, I have to go back and look at everyone, but the Ultimate Frisbee team is headed up by. 
uh, by Jonah Matranga from the band Far. And I'm forgetting if Aaron Bruno is also in it, who went on to, is now the singer of AWOL Nation. Oh, wow. Um, Whoa. <laughs> yeah, so that was their other band members. So I, I know the other guys in there were in, in Aaron's band. They had another band back then called Insurgent, hardcore band. And they became Hometown Hero. Then he became AWOL Nation. But that was... Yeah, so you got Jonah Matranga in there, and um, we just, we just, I mean, again, it was all so local. I mean, even when we shot the entire video, was still, it was actually, I mean, you, you, you could walk to where Rick was in the edit bay. Like it was, it was all within five or ten miles of each other, us filming and shooting and editing. So, and we were just kind of that. That was just the music community um, that that we kind of had at that time. I'm pretty sure that the uh, the basketball court that you shot it at was the one that my uh, my college roommate and I would go down there and feel like gods because they were eight, like eight foot rims. It was for an elementary <laughs> <Yes>. school. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah we do yeah. pick up games with the little kids there and feel like I'm Shaquille O'Neal, you know? <laughs> yeah, because it, yeah, it was not six. It was like a perfect eight or something, and you yeah, could just yeah. and you could just get and you could just get after it, and you know, I mean, and. That's, I mean, at that point we were shooting on 35 millimeter film and it was a lot, I mean, it just, it was a lot of work. And so I think back then shooting 35 millimeter film, I was always trying to find projects. And again, you didn't have a lot of film. You didn't have a lot of money. And I, and when I look at that video, I could see what I was doing back then, which is like, you set up a shot and just try to get, here's your master, here's your tight shot. Here's maybe an, an, an insert and then move on. And you would shoot three takes of something and then, Hopefully, Rick can make it into a video later. Was that was that all shot in one day? Yes. Wow. Okay. Probably yep. all shot in like four hours. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. And 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 I remember shooting the 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 performance in my apartment there. And and again, if I'm wrong, but that was Mark Trombino who produced the album, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, but Mark Trombino just shows up at my apartment when we were shooting the band. And it was just kind of weird because for me, I was like, yeah, hey, it's Mark Trombino. Because even at that point, it was like, it's Mark Trombino. And he just hanging out, you know, and, and you know, and, and people would come over and talk to him. And, you know, I'm not a musician, but everyone kept asking. I would hear questions to Mark Trombino, like, what kind of amp did you use on the recording of that? That I would just get lost. Uh, but it was pretty cool. Mark was just there in a black hoodie and, you know, and hanging out, you know, and um, they're just so, the, 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 the thing about Jimmy World is they're just awkwardly normal. They're just normal. Yeah, and that's how I feel like they come off on stage, too. You said that they're funny guys. You can hear it sometimes when Jim does his banter in between songs, but they do get down to business. You know, they're professionals, but you can see that they do have, they're, they're not really dry or awkward, but... They, you know, they have a, a fun side to them. They don't always show it, but it's the cool thing about them. They seem like every man. <laughs> well, yeah, and I think when I pitched the idea, I still kind of felt like, you know, like they were like, this sounds great. This, they just wanted to have fun. And, you know, that's one of those songs where I remember when I heard it, the, 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 there was a moment that was happening because I said Blink was becoming really big and we were just a bunch of kids making these videos and it went from, seven thousand dollar videos to you know quarter million dollar i mean just it just got nuts at one point when all that stuff was going crazy and um but then you get a song like lucky denver mint and i and 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 i don't know i mean 
when I hear the song and I watch the video, I kind of think like, why did I make that video for that song? <laughs> like, it's like, and like, I mean, it's such an emotional, like beautiful, like just, I mean, it's an, I mean, it's just, it's such an amazing song, but I think because I think that being a good vision because with the never been kissed kind of aspect of it, which is a comedy, anything else would have been really weird to combo with it. So I think it ended up working really good. But by itself, and I was just when you put me through the videos, watching it by itself, I was kind of like, I was, I was like, like I'm not sure if I really dialed in on on Jim because like you know they're. And and I get a little like there's very few bands that 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 I kind of go wow I work with them. and Jim Carroll's one of them because I just think they're just one of the best bands ever. I mean I just and and throughout the years I would see them and again only a handful of people were when I would see them I'd kind of be like oh my gosh that's Jimmy World right <laughs> like they're that good and they mean so much and you get to the next album which is what the album after that is which album what what comes after that. Bleed American. I mean, arguably a perfect record. Yeah, that really set them apart. It's a perfect record. I mean, it's a perfect, perfect record. But it's funny, you reminded me, he has Davey on that album. Yep. Yeah, for a praise chorus, yeah. And, and then the idea that we that I even got the video was kind of because of my work with The Promise Ring. Like, it, it shows you how much this band, how much other bands meant to a band like Jimmy World that that I didn't get the gig because of Blink 182 like I which was blowing up at that time. Yeah. I I probably got the gig because of the Promise Ring like yeah. and then for them maybe then to be on the next album and every time I hear Davy sing on that song like it just it just slays me. Well, I don't know so, if you even talked um, to Blink about this when you worked with them, but the reason they used Trombino on Dude Ranch was because Trombino had done Static Prevails. And they were like, they were touring Big Fish in San Diego and they already had a producer I, lined up and they were like, oh, this is the guy that did Jimmy Eat World? We want this guy. <laughs> yeah, so it was it was weird, you know, being like, seeing who loved who and who was trying to be, you know, I remember the first time getting down the very first Blink video for um, M&M's and we shot it in Mark's house at his mom's house, right? I think he was living. Um, and I get into his bedroom, which is his bedroom, Mark's bedroom. Um, uh, and it's one of those old school, like, you know, remember when they would release like six foot by four foot posters oh, yeah. albums, like back in the day. And you maybe got one of those, like, you know, and Mark had like a six foot by four foot Ned's atomic dustbin poster, <laughs> like over his bed, you know, and <laughs> which is in the M&M's video, if you go look like, and it just, and I remember getting to go to like, like trying to figure out who on earth and what was influencing all these guys at this time is a really weird combo. Yeah. You know? <laughs> really weird. Oh man, that's so cool. And yeah. hey, and so Rick, uh, mm-hmm. when you have to approach, your first cut is, let me put all the movie clips, uh, like Darren thought, right in here in the breakdown, which actually I think makes a lot of sense and sounds really like a cool cut of the video. And then having to go back and sort of redo it. I had a question in my show notes that was like, so is the band in the same school as her? <laughs> yeah, uh, I, you know, we basically uh, didn't really let that, uh, that, that kind of plot continuity uh, sure. affect <laughs> what we were going to do. 
you know, I mean, uh, you know, we had this video and, uh, you know, I, I, I honestly don't think we really, or at least I didn't, uh, you know, recognize kind of the magnitude of cutting in movie clips on it. We all kind of, at least in my mind, I found it kind of an inconvenience. Like, well, what are they doing? <laughs> right, yeah, you know, like, yeah. Why are they ruining this video? So, uh, you know, initially it was like, we were all, I was on board. It's like, yeah, let's just slap all the, the, the shots in in one place because it makes my job way easier. Yeah, right. You know, <laughs> Uh, you know, I, 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 you know me, I'm always looking at my clock as like, when can we get out? So, you know, uh, huh. we, we did that. And this is, of course, back in the days of linear editing. So, uh, you know, when, when things were done, it was they were done. And when someone came back and said, oh. can you make changes? It was like, oh, come on. Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. You know, <laughs> So, uh, yeah, yeah. I, as I recall, the, the, the edit, and like I said, the only, the only real uh, memory, specific memory I have of editing this video was actually putting the master tape in the storage cabinet when we were done. Uh, you know, we, uh, but because it, it was a quick edit once we finally decided, okay, well, we were just going to cut these places in here. We identified the thing, and it was only a few hours of, of slapping the movie stuff in there, but, you know, we'd kind of fought over it before it. And of course, we we didn't have the whole movie to choose from either. You know, it was the, right. we had like clips that, that go in a specific place, so that you know that's easy. But yeah, figuring out where they went, you know, we thought we figured it all out. You know, yeah, hey, drop it all in here and be done with it. You know? <laughs> yeah, and that's and that and and that's back when like you really did like that's why you wanted a real editor. Like even to this day, like I don't even you know. I, I edit my stuff now. I mean, I was trained. I tell people, I mean, I, I mean, I, I was trained under Rick and whatever influence <laughs> I've had. I mean, I was trained under Rick. Me too. And, you know, and I'm, and I'm, and I'm super, super proud of that. I mean, Rick, you know, Rick's, just, again, Rick's next level, but real editors back in the day, uh, one of their superpowers really was the ability, especially in analog digital, the way it was sort of common at that time, you, you would get in over your head and, and you could just look at your editor and say, can, can I just come back? Can I just like, and because that's what you would do. You would just leave the room. You would, a, a real editor would be like, I need you to leave, leave me alone. Don't sit over my, and you would, but you trusted that. And when we had to recut it and put those shots in there, you could, you could walk away knowing that someone like Rick, it's just going to figure it out. It's just, it's just going to figure it out. And that's where storytelling and pacing and, and all these things that actually feel filmmaking, someone like Rick brought to anything he touched. My really rough punk rock. I mean, I mean, Rick cleaned up everything, you know, any idea I had because that was his background. I mean, he's it's a funny term to say he's classically trained, but there's not a lot of people <laughs> classically trained in editing anymore, where you know it's just because there's no more manual. Well, I'll tell you what, when when I'm cutting the audio. Uh, sometimes I'll I'll take out little bits, I'll extract them for David, and I'll send them to him. Uh, partially because maybe it's a funny clip, but mo most of the time it's because he can come in and say, what if you rearranged these, added on a second of just dead air at the very end, that way we can kind of, it, it sounds like a natural segue into this, and it's just my my brain doesn't think like that. But David is just... It's and again, I'm gonna. Him. This is the Rick Pratt episode. That's all Rick, man. <laughs> I learned that from Rick Pratt. <laughs> oh, dude. I mean, you want to? I mean, I I know we're talking to Jimmy World, but let, let, let me tell you my my favorite next level Pratt moment that I think the world needs to know about. So 
and we did it on multiple videos, like multiple videos. I don't know if we did it on this one, but we did it on multiple videos where we had, we just didn't have enough time to tell the story. And Rick would just loop sections of the song. Oh, wow. Clever. <laughs> so if there was a breakdown, we'd go like four more, whatever we call those oh, things. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. People. Like, so if you watch, um, um, if you watch um, Josie, the Blink-182 Josie video, Josie has a breakdown and, you know, I think it's that in, in that, in, in that That's breakdown, right. we went like four times, like four times longer on the, like, whatever the beat is, whatever it is. And band never said anything. Label never said anything. No one ever even asked. And we did, I think we did that on, on, on the Eminem's video for Blink as well. I mean, like we would like, but Rick was like, you know, we could just, and it was like, wait a minute, we could just, we could just the song and remix the song. Like, that's like that kind of punk rock. Like, like we were like, Rick was like, and Rick, you know, Rick knew because he's a musician, like, okay, this is going to be, and seeing that stuff and how you, I mean, that's, that's all Rick knowing what you could do. I mean, that's, that that sort of stuff is just, you know. And with no, knowing what I could I do, te technically, uh, legally, we have a different uh, discussion there. Probably, <laughs> probably uh, violated a variety of copyright laws. That. But, you know, no one ever, no one even noticed. Yeah, no one. Yeah, you know, I mean, there, there was less. I, I, I would venture to say that maybe if you tried to do something like that now, people might, might, you know, get a little uppity. But, but back then, man, you know, it, the, the sky was the limit. It was the wild west. Well, it was know? a good we loop and great storytelling, yeah. and that. That it didn't matter. It was you're invested mm -hmm. in is Mark going to end up with Alyssa Milano or you know what I mean, like you know <laughs> right. those types of things. Like <laughs> exactly, exactly. But 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 that really was Rick had that, and we we kind of looked to Rick like, can we do this? Can we pull this off? And you know, um, yeah. And those and I just remember those guys being really happy with the video. I remember them just just you know, really good band. The, the great bands that I've been able to work with all have one thing in common, which is they do not believe the music video is a silver bullet. And so you don't get this pressure like this better be this better make our career. Jimmy World, you know, it's not like they expressed it, you know, but I mean, I can sense with bands like that, that by the time we're done with the video, they were just moving on. Hey, they did it. It was a video. They had a good time. They're thinking about the tour, the next album. Really great bands never think there's a silver bullet because they're just grinding. They're just grinding. Yeah. Well, guys, yeah. I and really... Oh, yeah, Justin, please go, go ahead, ahead because no, no, go I ahead. did get the pop-up, so I, I think we're running out of time. I don't have, like, a countdown or anything. Okay. I, I, don't, I don't know, but I didn't want to keep you guys much longer, and it Justin, extended. I wanted to see It extended. It told oh. me it was extended. So yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 oh tight. Yeah. Okay, cool. That's what I got, too. I didn't get all that text, but I was I just going to say... Uh, so my my question I asked I asked uh, Jim you know he's been he's been grinding for thirty years and I said in the next thirty years what do you see yourself as a band I was expecting him to say something like now that I've got a hold on this he's got his own podcast uh, you know the, he seems to have his ducks in a row but he's not really that's not his approach he said in the next thirty years I'm gonna essentially fly by the seat of my pants like we did this last thirty years because that's worked for us so far uh, it doesn't mean that he doesn't have a plan. But he's just not, he doesn't see a concrete future for himself. He just wants to be involved in music. 
And that's enough for him and his band. I mean, they're, they all seem to be on board, even though right now they all seem to be doing their own things in between albums. But yeah, I mean, they're, 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 uh, they're adults, and they've been adults even though they were kids when you guys made this video, I'm sure. But yeah, they, they had that promise. <laughs> well, and they, you know, again, they um, obviously knowing the story then, like I said, of, of the next album and record labels and all these different things and where they dropped, did they not, did they self like you know it's funny they're 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 such a punk rock band i mean they're so punk rock but you don't think of them like you would think of pennywise right you don't think of them like an afi you don't think of them as a rise against you know but these are really punk rock dudes you know and i think that was that was the one thing that just somehow connected everyone that was working together at that time no matter where they were at all the real punk rock dudes were just really kind of finding finding each other and working on these things. And, and even if people didn't look like the traditional, whatever that meant to be, I mean, those dudes are a bunch of savages. They'll, they'll compete with anyone. They'll play with anyone. They, they will. I mean, that's as good of a band as there is on the planet. And there is good of a band as it as far as being businessmen, having the actual guts to go and do things. I mean, that I'm sure you dove in. I'll, I can't wait to go out and check out more, but just their relationship with DreamWorks and what that was and, all that stuff and the record. I mean, these dudes are punk rock. And so, you know, for me, it's just, I learned from those guys. My entire business model was watching guys like that. And so when you say fly by the seat of his pants, keep going, like I, I get it. There's just something about the way we were all raised and the way we all had to figure out what we're doing that that really resonates with me. Like you're just, you're just going to figure it out, but you're not, you're, you're definitely not stopping. Yeah. That's the, you know, the fly by the seat of the pants mentality is kind of uh, how we were, we were doing things, uh, you know, back in the day anyway, you know, I mean, uh, I think that this one, Lucky Denver Mitt, actually was probably one of the more scripted videos that you had done at right. that point, you know, I mean, right. <laughs> it, it actually had a little bit of a thread of a storyline coming into it, you know, so, so we thought about it, but you know, the, the whole collaboration uh, you know, and let's see what this does and let's see where this takes us kind of attitude is is how we were uh, going. And I, I have a feeling, you know, being in bands, that's you don't go into a, a rehearsal saying, well, I'm going to write this song and it's going to have this structure and it's going to this. You're, you're going to come up with riffs and you're going to, uh, you know, collaborate with people and you're going to see where the ideas go, you know, which is how we edit it all the time right. on all these videos. That's, you know? that's actually that's that, that's actually a great point. I I I. I that's a really great point because I, I try to tell people because I my whole filmmaking world was around being around bands. My my entire process was built on jamming, right? Mm -hmm. And you would just show up and figure things out, and we'd show up and even from an editing standpoint, yeah, that's what we were doing. We were jamming, yeah. yeah. Which was a little weirder back then because you had to pay money to be in an edit in an edit bay. So the jamming was awkward it was like jamming with like you can hear the ticker yeah. you know um, but 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 it was but that's what we did everyone was musicians and we'd take breaks and rick would have his guitar out and he'd be jamming and or like rick would like i don't know what in my mind this probably happened like four times but like i mean it probably happened four times but in my mind like a hundred times we'd be editing and then rick would be like well i gotta go now and he'd be like what and rick would like He's like, well, I'm meeting with a bunch of people to jam or I'm having a birthday party and we're jamming. And there was always like, there was always a, he was always just, go I was like, oh, like, okay. he would just leave to go play guitar, like jam with people or something. It was just, but that's, but that tells you how much that like, 
all this punk rock stuff we were doing right down to the editor. Like, you know, I mean, Fletcher from Pennywise is, our, is one of the <laughs> most scariest humans on the planet. And, you know, Rick is right there at in the captain's seat, like making all of this stuff happen, you know? And like I said, Rick could get as pretentious as the next person because we're all pretentious. And we, I think that's one thing I learned from Rick was like, like we're really arty. We could be, like I said, really, really arty and take it too seriously. But then we could flip that switch and we could make a Pennywise documentary and the opening as a joke song yeah. of, of making fun of everybody in the band. And Rick had those sensibilities to be able to, like I said, punch you in the face. Because Rick, Rick will punch you in the face too. He's not, I mean, he's, I mean, he's a punk rock dude, man. Like, like I said, that, that, that energy that we all had, like Rick's ready to throw down if we got to throw down. And that was like, that was that energy of making all this stuff happen. And so it's, it really is like, it's, 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 it's not a coincidence that all these things that got touched and actually had a certain quality to them right up to Jimmy Eat World, it makes sense because Jimmy Eat World are, again, they're, they're a bunch of killers and they might not look like it, but they are. And so right down to someone like Rick Pratt, who you may not think is a killer, but that dude is a killer. And, and, <laughs> and it's, so it's a, to me, it's, it, it's the perfect mix, the perfect mix, and it makes sense. And, oh, and also, we, we were open to the possibility of saying, yeah, let's try it. You know, a, a lot of times yeah. you know, somebody comes up with an idea and you go, nah. But it was like, you know, uh, where you say, hey, why don't you shoot me in the back here saying, I'll throw my hat at you. And, and you know, like we were trying to kind of, you know, we would just take, you know, uh, we'd get the cameras, we'd get the microphones, we'd bust it out, we'd plug it into the three quarter inch decks, we'd record the stuff, yes. we bounce it to different, different tapes, and then we'd throw <laughs> it in the video and, and say, uh, yeah, I guess that kind of works, you know, but. And, and, and then, or, or Grab the guitar and start adding tones or adding yeah, an intro, yeah, yeah. So, you intro know, to the song. Reverse yeah. it. I mean, I revert. I I think one thing is that one. What, to, to this day, I'm sure we all have stuff on Rick. But what to, to this day, and Rick, I I can't imagine remembers all the things that he would do or teach us. But to to this day, one of my favorite cheats. And now, of course, we have so much sound design. But if if I had the intro to a song that was kind of more. It was ambient or maybe a couple of guitar, a little something, and then it would come in. And But I still needed more time. Rick taught me, take that section, the intro, cut that, reverse it, and then blend the reverse into <laughs> the real time. And so you still, it was still the same tone. It was still in the same world. And it'd be this, and it could get, it could get you another three, four, five, six seconds, then hit that intro. Those little things that didn't exist back when we were editing, there was no reverse cylinder metal slam yeah. one through 1,000. Yeah. When we were yeah. That. yeah, you had to go out and get a hammer. <laughs> right, right. Or beat, and we would, and we would do that stuff. And that's, you know, that's all, uh, you know, I mean, this is, this is the Jimmy World Rick Pratt story, and I and I don't think anything could be more appropriate. Well, yeah, and I said I use the term "fly by the seat of his pants," but you know there isn't there is an overarching term that a lot of those guys, and it sounds like you guys use it too, but they just refer to it as like the DIY ethic. You know, you don't have you don't have all this stuff at your at, at your disposal, so you've got to make do with what you what you have. 
You guys are doing all this stuff manually, and you got, you made it work. It just takes a little bit more act, you know, action <laughs> and forethought. But, but within that, you 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 actually become a band, you know. And so Rick always had a side thing going. I was never in a band, but really our but that became our band, you know. I mean, if you you do need to do a story on Rick because I don't think people really understand what Rick has touched and then his influence on culture and filmmaking and storytelling. I mean, it's it's way bigger than just even and stuff he don't want to even talk about. But I mean, he's but the people he's influenced and the stories they're telling, the movies they're making now, I mean, was because Rick trained all of us in there. So, um, but we became a band. That's what was so cool. And then we became like a band and that kind of camaraderie that bands have, our band like Jimmy World has, we had that too. And I think that's that's why all this stuff worked. Yeah, well, we, we, we knew how each other thought. And like I say, I, I not laughed harder in an edit bay than when I was with, you know, Darren and Ken. I mean, these guys, you know, two of the funniest guys on the planet. And, uh, you well, know, the confluence of time. I mean, you, know, you look at this, you know, Lucky Denver Mint. Uh, you know, the the acting that is going on in there is directly coming from Darren's directing because that is what Darren, Darren knew early on that you you buy into a character. And so you get, you know, you, the more outrageous and the more, out, you know, over the top you are. So, you know, the Frisbee golf guys, I mean, it's like that. Oh, that man. is pure Darren, right? Straight up from there, you know. Uh, and, 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 but, but, again, but again, I'm influenced by my partner at the time, Ken Dario. And Ken Dario is... I mean, I don't know if there's a funnier human on the planet, right? Yeah. And Ken would go on to create Despicable Me and the Minions. And oh. I mean, the dude is, I mean, Ken is, I mean, just look up Ken Dario. But but again, you have to understand Ken Dario, like the, the influence of Rick Pratt on Ken Dario as, I mean, it's just, again, it's so, it's so deep. But like I said, it was, it was all of that. But, but again, but Rick, Rick is just as funny. I mean, Rick is weirder and funnier than <laughs> all of us combined, you know, but, but it really was like myself, Ken Dario, Rick, Rick was the other, I mean, we, we, we would, I would, we would try to get Rick out on the set sometimes, but we could never get back. The dude was literally, the dude has lived in a cave for 30 years. <laughs> Why my eyes are so big and my skin is so white. I mean, there was never a moment. You could never get, I don't think I've ever seen Rick I don't know if I've ever seen you out of an edit room. No, I'm thinking about I don't that think right you have. now. No, 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 I can get about you. You have not. I don't even know how tall you are. Uh, well, I, I was 5'8 at one point. Yeah. Gosh, I mean, it's just, oh my goodness. Oh, I mean, when, when, when I got the message to be honest, I was like, oh man, this would be really, really cool. And then when you dropped Rick Pratt, I was like, am I being punked by Rick? <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, and then so, you know, I, so I, I don't know where this podcast falls in the mix of all the other podcasts, but this is a funny one. Yeah, no, this is, this is <laughs> awesome. People should know, but people should know that the guy that created Despicable Me and the Minions, that's the dude making Lucky Denver Mint mm-hmm. with me and with Rick. Yeah, so that is neat. Yeah. All of that, all that ties, you know, all that ties into that, you know, I mean, like, that's really fun that's fun stuff that's like going down the rabbit hole of who produced what and you know and who was the engineer on this album and you know like that's you know like that's that's the that's the fun stuff you know like and 
that's what makes these stories really, really fun is that at some point you've got Trombino, you've got Blink, you've got The Promise Ring, you got Rick Pratt, you got me, you got Ken Dario, you got all, all this converging to make a little small part of Jimmy World's history. And that's, that's really cool. Wow. I mean, I don't know, guys. Uh, I'm, I'm like, I'm like smiling from ear to ear, as, as well as trying to keep my son at I bay. I totally gave you the wrap up. I gave you the wrap yeah. up. Did you feel that? Yeah, I that did. Was, I did. Was Justin, really I hope well you marked done. that. Can yeah. we do it again, though? What do you want more of? <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because okay, yeah. I, I work in promos now, and I'm like, well, we don't do promos for this show, but there's so many great bites that I would pull were I doing a promo for this episode. <laughs> Right. And it's totally natural. You know, it's like totally natural. It's like, you know, when I think about being on the world's greatest podcast, I feel like I'm in it right now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and cut. Perfect. Perfect. I feel good oh, on that man. one. <laughs> it sounded sincere. Yeah, it sounded sincere. We're going to go with that. that oh, there's good. one thing Darren can do is sell you on sincere. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you got any bridges I can buy, Darren? He's selling people on sincere. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, just a side note. Like, literally, like, there's, like, my wife, and then there's Rick Pratt, Ken Dario, who know where the bodies are buried. Yeah. <laughs> That's a whole other yeah, you Rick's seen me run out. Rick has seen me run out of an edit bay because someone's coming to kill me, literally. <laughs> <laughs> like you want to get stories. Rick has literally seen me run out of an edit bay because I said, I think they're coming to kill me. <laughs> like the stories that Rick knows and what like it's like if Rick called and was like, I need 10 grand, I'd have to give it to him. He knows where every single oh, body is buried. I would have to give it to him. The, the people that were coming for Darren was was the cable company. Yeah. Oh man. Oh my goodness. Well, it was nice of you to drop those charges from Fletcher. So you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was the nice one. Yeah, Fletcher, man, he 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 was in the edit bay. He he gave me the glasses that he his sunglasses that he was wearing. He said, "Hey, you want these glasses?" I'm like, yeah, I'll take them. Gave me to my son. Rick's kind of like the dog whisperer, like he's like the punk rock whisperer, like everyone got in that edit bay and it just became cool and chill. And we just, we just made, we just made things happen. I, I was, I was thinking not too long ago, I was like, I wonder, I see, I got from Rick, which I'm sure he'd worked on at some point because I got it from Eric, but like I eventually was trying to communicate so much. Rick was like, look, just Rick taught me how to use a VHS to VHS edit whatever we call that right the console in the middle two vhs machines and it was the you know the enter in edit whatever and like, rick, 22 rick, connector <laughs> yeah and rick rick taught me because rick taught me how to say look here's how you're going to do this here's how you're going to do a rough cut uh, he'd get the footage they would put time code on it i'd go back to the vhs the time code i would do my edits and then when we were done i would sit by hand and write zero zero one one six seven dash and I would go how many frames forward. I would hand write the edit list. Yeah. Jeez. I would bring that to, to Rick and he would type that in manually. Yeah. And that, oh, yeah. That's yeah. How back, back in the days when it was all tape oriented. Well, tape it's funny. That's how I got into editing was filming all my friends skateboarding, except I didn't have time code even. I was writing down control track. So mm-hmm. I would, I'd reset the, I'd rewind the tape, reset the counter, and then I'd hit play and I'd write down all the control track time codes of all the good takes uh, all, anywhere somebody landed a trick or something. And then oh. I would rewind the tape again and then cut that 
linearly onto a second tape. And then I thought I was really badass because I got an audio splitter and I was able to cut music over my second generation <laughs> edit. <laughs> and I, nice. Rick, could you still, Rick, do you think you could still do it on tape? Yeah. I wouldn't like it, but I yeah. could. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I've, I've had to do that within the last uh, about five or six years ago. I had a client that said, hey, all right, you do linear editing. I'm like, I don't even know how you can even set up a system. What? what? You know, Are you like, serious? You don't have the money to do that. Was it an exciting experiment that this person no, was no, trying to do? Like send something for the DMV, you know? Of like, course it was. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That makes sense. I mean, Rick would go from the most exciting, like it, like I, I didn't, I didn't even know what would happen. Like we would leave the edit bay, and it would be the most punk rock, cool, cutting edge thing. And then we would leave, and we would just wonder what was Rick working on. Next? <laughs> it was, was something soul crushing, no doubt. Generally, <laughs> I mean, those are the stories. Those are the stories I need to come uh, in because yeah. I don't actually. That's like the tours of duty that I don't even know what Rick did. And at some point, I need to hear like. <laughs> the notes and the edits on like the corporate video, like what, I mean, dude, I mean. That was the penalty that I had to pay in order to be able to do stuff other than that. And that was where I met Rick, was doing that boring corporate stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's right. Uh, But you you can cut your teeth on that stuff, man. I mean, there's a a patience that people don't have anymore. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's a, there's, there's there's a real patience and understanding clients communicating um and like i said any chance and i, I think that's what people realize is whether it be me as a director rick as, as as an editor filmmaker or like jimmy world the the thing that again that we all had in common is we were gigging non-stop and the band would play any show anywhere anytime whether it be two people or two thousand people i think that's just how you're wired and so it really i think and so when when you're when a band is successful, you know they've played some horrible, more, more right. horrible shows, good shows before they cross over that. And I think that's the thing that artists who are seasoned can see in one another. There's a there's a humility that comes with having played every gig, taken every project, cut and every type shot anything. You're, there's just a look in someone's eyes where you go, yeah, you you you've done everything, and that humility somehow also leads to a confidence that when you start doing more stuff maybe that you really want to do it's there's 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 even more of a sense of gratitude that comes with it darren you're a master of the bite you give great bite dude that's another closer that's another closer i've got you down for two two amazing closing moments so that's that's you know Uh, (laughs) you're a born closer man I love it. <laughs> ABC. Always be closing podcast. Oh, man. <laughs> well, I think that's everything. Justin, is there anything yeah. we left out on the cutting room floor? No, no. This no. is a blast. I, I love that. I love that term. <laughs> this was a I love blast. That term. Yeah, it was. I'm glad both of you guys got to come on. You got to, uh, it, you know, play off of each other. It made for a much more interesting interview. I mean, sometimes it's just David and, and one other person, but yeah, we've never done four people, people in an interview yeah. before. Oh, cool. <laughs> wow, okay. Groundbreaking. So we're uh-huh. the new band. Yeah, we're the new band. We're gonna. I, I got a jam after this, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're definitely more Rick, jamming in our lives. I think. Rick, 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 oh, Rick, there it is. Rick, Rick. Oh my gosh. <laughs> 
the ready. I love it. That, that's not good enough for you? Okay. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> He's got, like, a Mary Poppins bag full of things. <laughs> I have a tripod. Yeah. A tripod. <laughs> All right, boys. Well, I'm going to try to get a couple hours of work in here. Hopefully, you guys do the same. Everybody be well. Be safe. Hey, Thank you, Justin. Thank you. Oh Rick. yeah, you got you, it, guys. You are the man, Rick. I love you, dude. You're you're the you're. I can't I can't thank you enough for the influence and and just mentoring in my life, dude. I mean, you 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 know it's real. I, I could talk forever, so I'm gonna track you down when I when I'm back in Cali. And uh, everyone, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Oh yeah, thanks, Darren.